I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. And we're another step closer to the finals and the picture becomes a little bit clearer. Boxhead, welcome back. Hello, champion. What's going had on? Your ten nuggie, had your 10 nuggies deal today, did you? 24 nuggets, mate. KFC. Your KFC. 24 nuggets, that's right. For 10 and bucks. All. Good times. Jesus, it's created, it's created plenty of conversation with our, with our circle of friends. It's 24 nuggets for $10. Well, especially those of us, like I said, do, out on the trade side, that's, that's value for money. We, we don't mind a bit of value for money. And, and you know what? Any, anyone complaining on the podcast that we've kicked it off with a KFC advert, then you watch it every every game of the NRL anyway, don't you? With the video reps, so. Yeah, pretty much. KFC, if you want to sponsor us, I'll take, you know, 24-pack again. That, that was good burns. Quite enjoyed it. We went in. You're happy. You're happy. You're happy to have your lunch paid for every day, mate. Five of us went in there and ordered. It's the best thing I ever heard. I was like, "That's 120 nuggets. That's outstanding." Yeah. Cop that on the chin, but KFC would have gone in a meltdown. Yeah, they weren't ready for us either. I said they won't be ready. They go, "How would you know?" I said, "My first job when I was 14 was working here. They're never ready." Yeah. The pressure went on, and the young bloke, his face just dropped. I was like, "Yeah, he's got nothing cooking." <laughs> he was uh, in trouble. Tops. But uh, starting things off, back on track. Yeah, it's been a, been a pretty good week, buddy. Yeah, it's been a pretty good week. The Fast Five, highlight, low light, best, worst. Any questions? What was your highlight? Uh, South Sydney, they bounced back to form on Thursday night. Probably coincides with Thursday night. I, I quite like the Thursday night idea. Uh, I'd probably rather Monday, but I quite like the Thursday. Um, I'm not going to complain. I, I love the fact that there was only one game on Friday, so whether they move that game to a Thursday or to a Monday I'm uh, in full support of that I'd love to have both Monday and Thursday but um, I don't think we'll see that happen in the next TV deal but in the meantime in the run into the finals I love Thursday to Monday football that's outstanding yeah well personally I'm not a big fan of Thursday because I have to wake up for work on Friday it lets me down I love Monday footy Um, what I used to love I used to love the Sunday night game I want that brought back the 6 o'clock game or the 7 o'clock. That was a yeah, I love, that. I love that too. I, I used to... If we had one on Friday and triple Saturday, triple Sunday, and then one on Monday, I'd be cheering. But everyone seems to be big on the Thursday. All the players are going on about, oh, then we get a weekend. You get a weekend all the time, for Christ's sake. You get plenty of free time around training. So I don't know what they're whinging about. But, yeah, yeah, no one likes Monday night. So, you know, I'm a bit disappointed. A few people tweeted last week after the show and said they'd agree they prefer coming home on a Monday and watching the football uh, I feel like it's almost a bit of a reward for starting your week off, whereas Thursday, a bit of a false impression. I associate the football with the start of my weekend, not having to get up in the morning. Um, well, if you want to get really selfish, like my Mondays is usually one of my only nights off, so I'd rather Monday because 
I don't have to go to training and then sort of hear the score on the way home. Whereas Thursday is obviously a very heavy. Every every team trains on a Thursday, so yeah. Um, obviously, I, I come home late during that game, so uh, I prefer the Monday logistically, but I'm not going to complain either way. Mm. Well, my highlight, uh, I had two. First one was the Cowboys try on half time when they went the hundred meters in that one set. I thought that was absolutely outstanding. Uh, obviously, the result didn't reflect that at the end of the game, but at the time, I, I was blown away. I kind of felt that they were rocking and rolling a little bit, and then all of a sudden, they struck back right on the buzzer. I thought it was a ripper try. And the other one was Jaden Ray Hargrave's locomotive try, where he just turned into a freight train and decided to steam everyone again. It was brilliant. Oh, poor Paramata. Yeah, but Jared, absolutely outstanding in top form. What was your low light? Well, probably the Warriors. Um, they had absolutely everything to play for um, against Penrith, who Ivan Cleary the week before had obviously said that uh, they, they'd almost conceded their season, obviously. But, um, yeah, I just I don't understand how one player has such a big effect over a team. Well, he's their best player, obviously, but they've still got, um, you know, heavily, heavily scattered international side, and they, they turn that up. I, I expected that to be a cracker game. I thought Penrith would win, but I didn't realise how poor the Warriors were going. Um, sort of, since Johnson's been out, I've probably avoided their games, to be honest. Uh, and the other one I thought was um, Jack DeBellin being played at halfback. I just didn't understand that. Yeah, they carried the kid up there. He wasted him on the uh, bench. Playing, I don't, yeah, I, I don't, I don't get it. But anyway, yeah, I was just that was my, probably my two lowlights, buddy. Was silly. He was sitting there going on about, oh, it's good for coming out of yardage. We got an extra forward. I'm like, yeah, but you've also left yourself with you know the wrong kind of players defending on that edge. And Anthony Milford had a field day, almost 200 metres running. Well, in in good ball, it then made them so much easier to defend. Yeah, well, you just look for where Whittock was. Just back an extra player wherever Whittock is. Same as last year when Ben Roberts was playing for Melbourne. You just put an extra man on Cronk's side of the field. It was too easy. But um, yeah, Mine was the charge sheet this week. Oh, I'm, I'm, we've already had our talk about the shoulder charge, and I'm sure everyone's seen uh, what's been said. I, I agree it has to be gone, but some of the collisions, especially like the Tafua one where you have like a bit of a bump, and Willie Mason's one I said the week before, I thought he caught himself off balance. To think that some people are getting charged for this at this time of year is just ridiculous. Like, if this costs someone... But what's your, what's, what's your, pro, what's your issue with it? Well, I, just, I look at the Tafur one, and that's a 50-50 water, mate. And they're both going for the footy. Like, you can't just, I don't know, have a head clash with him or just run into him. Like, yeah, like, but if like, he's, he's natural... going for the footy, then why, why did he cock his arm? Why did he... Well, the last minute they've collided. But that's basically, like, to me, it's, it's a last-second reaction. Like, you don't really get enough time to get your arms out, wrap and tackle. Like, he's going for the footy, so... Uh, there's ones like that I kind of look at, and I'm, I'm just kind of surprised. And then they try to brush off the Kiri one, saying, "Oh, just a little bloke, he got bumped off." Well, that's a crock of bullshit. He tried to shoulder charge Justin O'Neill, so why did they let that one go? Just because he's a small so bloke. The Kiri, the Kiri one didn't get charged. He did get charged in the end, but at the time they stopped the game for it, didn't penalise him. And then, oh, no, then people okay, on yeah, say, TV were sitting there going, "Oh, I think it was Fitlow was like, oh, he's only a little fellow." I'm like, no. If a front rower can't do uh, it, wouldn't it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been fit. Like has been very uh, staunch on on it that it was a shoulder charge. But I, for me, I, it's black and white. I think people people are misconstruing this with how hard you hit someone. Just because you hit them softly, 
doesn't mean that you haven't shoulder charged someone. No, no, it's if just... If you tuck your arm, if you tuck your arm, it's shoulder charge. And, just, and I don't have a problem with that. There was a couple Players of... Players just need to learn not to tuck your arm. Yeah, well, there was a couple of dumb ones. Like, Lachlan Burr, Lachlan Burr smoked someone, then looked up and says yeah, no. And he didn't get penalised, then he got charged. I'm like, oh, how stupid could you be? It's You can't yeah. do it. It's simple. I thought Aiden, Aiden Guerra's one was silly. It was off the ball, wasn't needed. Uh, I thought Kiri's one was asking for trouble. I, I didn't I didn't really have a problem with the Tafua one, even though I totally understand your point in the fact that it was a... Sometimes you just collide, though. Protection mechanism. Yeah, I understand that. But in the end, we'd be blowing up just as much if they let that go. Or, or, you know, oh, I don't have an issue with them charging that one. I don't have an issue with them charging any of them. The Mason one the week before, I, I understood the argument in the fact that the, the, the change of the rule came out on the Friday. But I couldn't excuse the fact that it was a shoulder charge because it was. And I don't think that you can you can say, well, it was a soft hit. Like... I, you know, that's, it's, it's irrelevant. The, the amount of force in the shoulder charge, you can't go measuring force. You can't say, well, he shoulder charged, two people shoulder charged, but one's getting charged and one isn't because one was a harder hit than the other. I, well, I get the feeling there's a little bit of that stigma in the game at the moment. They've either got to outlaw all of them or let them all go. Well, that's and kind of how the charges... The that's kind of how the charges look now. Some people are getting enough... Oh, I, I agree. Yeah, a week. Some are getting two weeks. Like, Tafua's one, I think, is up for two weeks. They're fighting the charge, and I'm I'm glad they're. I don't fighting know how you, I don't know how you really grade it. I, I just think it's a shoulder charge. I think if if it's a shoulder charge and it doesn't make contact with the head, then it should be a grade one. If it's a shoulder charge and it makes contact with the head, it should be a grade two. Now, but my other I also view. think that I also think that the first time you do it, it should be a week. Second time you do it, it should be two, and then just incrementally it just gets more and more and more, and then you 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 get it out of the game. Yeah, well, Isaac Luke, he's fighting his one on Thurston as well. Uh, I think they took the. Well, out. I think he's fighting it because he he he's not going to risk getting any more time if he fights it and loses. Well, if he just took the guilty plea for both, he's gone for the rest of the regular season and he's back for the finals. So they've taken the early well, guilty same, plea. Same, yeah, the same. It's the same result either way. Whether he challenged it or not. Mm. So he's fighting. I'm pretty sure I saw before it said four people are fighting. I didn't look at all the names. I'm pretty sure Guerra uh, might be one of them. I know Tafua. Well, pretty... Guerra is, yeah. Guerra is. Yeah, and George Tafua, they're fighting his one as well. Luke so Keary. What's, what's, what's going to. Well, the Guerra, uh, the, the Tafua one I can cop because that, we just had that discussion. I, I can sort of see the argument they're going to make. What, what, what argument is Aiden Guerra going to make? That one, myself, I didn't get to really see too much of that Roosters game in full. I only saw some highlights, so I, I, I've never he seen... Tracked someone, he tracked someone off the ball, a lead runner on a block play off the ball, and shoulder charged him. Yeah, well, that's just silly, then. Because I think he's, Lady, up, he's up for two weeks. Understand. He's up for two weeks, I saw, so I thought he must have had a decent whack of somebody, either that or he's going to play. he dinged him, he, he dinged him, yeah. But uh, that's what I don't like, then... So what's the difference between that one and the, and the Lachlan Burr one? Lachlan Burr only got uh, one week, didn't he? Yeah, I think again... He's only getting one week, and Guerra's getting two, but for me, they both look the same. And then on loading and things like that, there's a few that have confused me as far as loading and, and prior yeah, offences. I, I don't understand why we're so bloody complex with our judiciary. It's just, like, you do it once, you get a week. You do it twice, you get two. If it's contact with the head, the first time it should be three weeks second time you do it, it should be six weeks. 
But, yeah, yeah, I'll just... Make it very, very simple for him. And then again, like I saw... To forget is... your loading. You forget your loading. You pay the penalty for what you've done. Like, if I, if I go and park on the road and I get fined, and I do exactly the, thing, exactly the same thing the next day, it doesn't mean I should get a 50% loading. It's just the offence is the offence. You pay your penalty for what the offence is. Well, I think my argument is in a year, if you keep getting charged, yeah, fair enough, but I don't like how it carries over season to season. I think you should start... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Every so season the same thing, should be a fresh... a shoulder charge, just incrementally jump it in games, like that everyone sits down and agrees on. Like, I think people would agree that if you shoulder charge someone in the head, you probably deserve a month out of the game. Mm. Well, it's if just... you do it twice, you're a, you're, a, you're a fool and you deserve two months out of the game. Mm. Just a lot of charges is quite disappointing coming to this time of year where things are starting to get really important and I think there was 13 charges this weekend. So uh... I, I just don't. I, I go back right back. If you want to peel it right back, probably my coach's hat coming out is the fact that they're changing the rules a bit like... Well, we shouldn't be. We're too reactive. ...the way through the competition. You should not be allowed to do that. No. The rules should be the rules until the end of the year. Too reactive. moving the posts on teams. Uh, I, I don't like it. I, I don't like that aspect of it. And like I said the, the other way, since when wasn't the shoulder charge already banned? It already was banned. Like, that was mine. And they, they said it's there was a, a loophole. There was a loophole. They decided to sort of ignore the soft, the soft shoulder charge, but, which yeah, but they come about me because I, I said, we well, can't measure shoulder charges on force. It's an action. Yeah, but they were going on about there's a loophole. What loophole? A shoulder charge is a shoulder charge. Why has there been a loophole? We've seen millions of them over this this period of time, but all of a sudden, like I said, this 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 reactiveness, this reactiveness, all of a sudden heading into finals and they're sitting down players. And I'm not saying anyone deserves any mercy, but why after two years of basically since it's been banned, we react right now, two or three weeks out from the finals, and we're sitting some pretty decent names. It's it was a it was a reaction to public pressure. That's what it was a reaction to, to public pressure and public outrage and the fact that that unfortunately that young bloke up in Queensland yeah he passed away through a shoulder charge, and you know and then you saw Kane a Evans. couple post that yeah yeah you saw that that one what was two or two or three weeks after that that was a little bit glorified by the commentators and the game said hang on a minute this isn't the look we were going for so. It was, it was to public pressure and public outrage, unfortunately. But we, sh- as you just said, we should have we should have got all the all the stringent uh, you know rules and regulations around it done when we first banned it. Well, I already thought it. Like I said, I, as far as I'm concerned, it already was banned. There was a hundred of them, and every week we said that's a shoulder charge. That's a shoulder charge. It was never a penalty. Yeah, but they weren't being pulled up. That's and then out of nowhere, this one happens, and it was a ripper. Um, and yeah, all of a sudden, I know obviously the tragedy happened, and we agreed with it. But now, just the, re- the reactive nature to it, and the charges, and the, the kind of players they're sitting down. I'm like, are you serious? Like you said, two weeks out from the finals, three weeks out, and they're cannon blokes. Cannon blokes, you know, uh, for a couple of weeks at a time. Like they're they're all trying to ruin their own product at, at the, the most important time of the season. And same deal. These this these sudden changes. Um, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, like I said, that rule was already there. I don't know what loophole they're talking about. That's just ridiculous. Mm. But, yeah, the charge sheet was ridiculous. Moving on to something more positive, what was your best? Best of the round? Uh, my best team, uh, I thought the Broncos were very good on Thursday. Obviously, I've mentioned South as my highlight. I thought the defensive performance in Melbourne was super last night. Uh, but best player, I had to go with uh, Gerald Rear Hargreaves. Uh, he, he's just stepped it up. He's got all that rubbish out of his game and he's playing super footy. He had a 
Bob. I think his partner had a bub during the week. Um, so congratulations in that regard. But, you know, he didn't look like he was lacking any sleep or any energy on uh, on Saturday night. I know it was just a big-time play. He used to seeing those from halves or outside back, his fullback. But he got it from a prop, uh, which was was outstanding. It was a key moment in the match and probably a game where the Roosters weren't at their best, but they still found a way to win. Yeah, well, my player was Jared again. Just ridiculous. Uh, team was South, and I've laid the boot into South. And one of our uh, people in the questions, James Moody, said, are you feeling well? You've been laying the boot in. I'm just being honest um, and being blunt. They haven't shown anything, oh, really, since the start of the year. And, and the biggest thing that disappoints me, and I will keep laying the boot into that Ford pack until they show it for more than one week, that was the South that could win a comp the other day. And in particular, yeah. I've got to wrap the Burgess brothers because I think they've been pretty much, you know, uh, an absolute shadow of themselves from last year. I didn't know whether it was the same thing, um, whether they were a little bit comfortable that they've got so many young blokes and they've already won a comp. But Dave Tyrrell and those guys aren't winning you a comp. If you want to beat the Cowboys, you want to beat the Roosters, you want to beat the Bulldogs, you want to beat Brisbane and you want to get over forward packs like Melbourne and the like, those two absolute massive mamajamas need to be like they were on Friday. They were really, really pissed off. And it showed. They dominated the ruck. And when they dominate, it opens things up for Isaac Luke. And regardless of whether things are bad with uh, Michael Maguire, if you don't have roll forward and you're not moving like they were on Friday, Isaac Luke's not going to get those chances. So you blokes want to win a comp. Those blokes need to stay pissed off and angry. They open that ruck up and Isaac Luke's going to bring a new element and that brings everybody into the game. Well, you only need to go back as far as the NRL Grand Final last year. The game, I think it was 6 all or something they like killed that. killed the fools. And George, George Burgess broke the game up. Yeah, just went and scored a ridiculous try. And for that whole game, they were winning the forward battle. It was a matter of time before the pressure told. Well, they were. But I'm just saying that, like, you, I'm trying to uh, highlight your point. Because yeah. it's, it's simple. They've been... Well, it's obviously been easier to nullify their forward pack because they lost two internationals in T.O. and Burgess. Oh, 100%. It's been easier to nullify it. They've also had Reynolds out, Kiri out, Luke out, the Luke problems, and Inglis was a little bit down for a period there. But, but in general... Look, it's, not about, it's not about being good through that middle part of the year. You know, no. like we've, got to, we've, got to, we've got to have something to talk about throughout those middle parts. And I think when, we're definitely not the only people criticising South Swarm during that period. No way. The competition isn't one and lost in that period. The, the surprising thing for me is that they've been able to play uh, really in second gear and still leave themselves three weeks now until semi-finals and be a top four chance. So the biggest thing I think for them now, and especially now that Isaac Luke looks like he's going to miss three weeks, is they have to land in the top four. History tells you that you can't win the comp outside of the top four. So that's the most immediate thing for them. I don't, I don't think, as you said, you can't overreact on the back of one game. No, I want to say... that great. I want to see that forward pack. Do it for the next few weeks. I want that anger this week. I I saw that passion, that anger, and finally a bit of resistance because during the year they just haven't shown it. That that wasn't the forward pack. They're going to need to be. They're going to need to be bigger and better again because they're going to need to create more and more. Now that they're they're going to have like who's going to play hooker? McKinnis. Well, McKinnis is going to be... He's not Isaac Luke. Well, he's got so a fitness... They're going to have to do an even better job this week. He's got a fitness test this week, but if they didn't have him, I'd chuck Paul Carter in there and just let him run wild. Yeah, 
Well, there you go. Yeah, that's another option. A bit of a spark, um, but, but they, they had that aggression, and I well, said it as don't, well. Don't get me on. Don't get me onto the Paul Carter going the south thing. That'll just no. Nah, well, like again, while we while we sit bloody struggling to get the struggling to avoid the wooden spoon. But I said it earlier. In the year also, they needed Orvar back, regardless of his troubles, and then picking up someone like Carter. They've got back an element of danger right. which they didn't have. And I all, all even though I thought Orvar carried on like an absolute peanut the other night, um, he definitely yeah, brings another I, element. He's, I had a conversation with MG. We went to save our son's gala dinner on um, Saturday night, and we had a we had a chat going into the into the dinner on the bus. That I sort of made the argument that if if you are banned from the game for some an off field indiscretion and your club sacks you, when you come back, they, there should be a draft at the start of each season, and teams at the bottom of the table should have first pick at those players. What annoys me, and it, it, Canberra are the number one example of this. Forget the Titans for a minute, but Canberra have lost like a... Dugan, Ferguson, County. Well, an international spine, basically, uh, to off-field indiscretions and got absolutely no reward for, for upholding disciplinary standards within their club. That yeah. annoys the crap out and of And then them. no different to junior level, which is why they pulled the plug on the Brisbane side of things, because they developed Milford who the Broncos missed, and then the Broncos picking back up anyway. Yeah, so. I, I'd, I'd be interested on in other people's thoughts. If you've got if you've got thoughts or ideas on it, inbox us or tweet us or um, hit us up on Facebook. But I just think that we've got to do that better. Like mm. as a Titans fan, I'm I'm sort of going, that's a joke. Like he he's getting rewarded basically. Like obviously not rewarded. He's on less money or whatever. But I mean, Siasa are, are reaping the rewards um, of, of cheap, basically cheap labour. They're getting him at a price. Well, it's Obviously, no different to the Roosters. Under what he's, under what he's worth. The Roosters the get a chance. Yeah, well, it's no different to the Roosters getting a chance to get Ferguson this year on the minimum wage, basically. Uh, obviously, going yeah. forward, they're going to have to pay him. But it's a free year, and it's it's no risk. If they lose him, what, what's the club do? Go, oh, he's brought shame to the club. They suck him. They move on. There's nothing, no loss for them. But, yeah, um, no I think they should be drafted out to the weaker teams to strengthen those weaker teams. Yeah, well, back on track. My best, like I said, it was Jared and it was South, and I'm just calling it how I see it. I've been disappointed, and I said at the start of the year, I didn't think they had the forward pack unless the Burgesses carried it. But them in particular, and Maguire, uh, sorry, not Maguire, and obviously Luke on the back of it, that's the first time I've seen those two band together and just show just an absolute hatred for their opposition. They dominated. Scott and Tarmow and Tamalola, they won that battle. They're the biggest reason they won that game the other night. Everything came off the back of those two big boppers just leaving people in their wake. And Jason Tamalola in particular, you don't see him get bumped on the ground too often. He got put on his ass three times. So um, those two need to stay angry and that momentum needs to stay. And like I said, they've got a little more starch in their side. I've been waiting for Orvar to come back because you know he brings good stuff in yardage and he's good defensively. There was a little bit of crap there. I'm sure they were probably barbing him giving him a bit of verbal, and that's to be expected after you've been off-field um, with some indiscretions. But they've definitely got some starch back in their side now, plus the added bonus of Carter. So um, they need to kick on because they've got a tough run home. But who was your worst? Uh, the Sharks' defence last night. Um, in particular, their left side. I couldn't really understand what they were doing. They were coming in. One minute they were staying back. A centre was going up. The winger was staying back. But also, there was a, a game within the game there where Gallon was going over to the referee and saying, look, they're peeling off one and one, two and three, and you want to get all technical, but basically they have to peel off either two first and then one or one and then two if it's a three-man tackle. But it, it wasn't happening, but 
um, and Melbourne took full advantage of it. But, but just the fact that Cronulla couldn't adapt. They, they, they seemed to get sidetracked by that and it really influenced their game to the point where they got their backsides handed to them. Um, if, if South, uh, sorry, if the Sharks were, you know, complaining that much about it, they should have been able to react and do it themselves. You know, like if, if, if the referees are allowing a three-man peel, then you should adapt the same, you know, the same, same philosophy, the same um, strategy in peeling off one, two, three, and slow down the Melbourne ruck just as much. Yeah, and on top um, of that, it didn't happen. I thought they, the whole side, the whole shark side, got sidetracked by the referees and the interpretation, whereas Melbourne just went about their business. They obviously had a game plan to slow the Sharks down, who are a middle side. The Sharks are definitely a middle side. They're a grinding side. Melbourne had their plans to shut it down, and it worked. And the Sharks just didn't react. They didn't have a plan B. Well, that's 10 of the last 11 games Melbourne's beat them. And like we say, they're the king of the grind, but Melbourne's even better at it. If you want to make an ugly game, and that's their strength, Melbourne can drag you down to that kick you to death, win the ruck, and they did that last night. And the Sharks on top of that, not only did they struggle in the middle, but they tried to shift off the back of those slow play the balls and play around Melbourne, yeah. who jam, and it didn't work. They shouldn't have been trying to shift off a slow play the ball. Will Chambers stuck a yeah. few people a few times, and uh, on the same principle, the Sharks didn't move up on their edges, and Will Chambers had an absolute field day on Latelli in particular. Yeah, that concerning. Their defence in particular was concerning to me. Yeah, well, particularly after the two weeks prior, they only conceded points off kicks, and one of those teams they did that against was the Cowboys, who are a brilliant attacking unit. So uh, that was a massive step backwards from after what we've seen. But uh, my worst, and it's basically the weekend and then the year is the Raiders. I'm so disappointed. I think they belong in the eight, but that's two games in the last couple of weeks. They've lost by two points. They led the Cowboys before that by 18-0, and they lost that game. They went down to the Sharks by a field goal. The Cowboys again prior, they went to down to them by a field goal. They lost to the Dogs during Origin in a game that they were heavily favourites and not missing a single player. Um, they were 18-0 to the Dragons at the start of the year when they had lost four games in a row and lost that game um, without scoring a single point in the second half bar a penalty goal. So there's seven or eight games this year that should have been closed out by a fantastic attacking side, but they've just blown it on numerous occasions. And even if you get half those wins, they're probably coming fourth or fifth right now, and there's no excuses for it, really. If, if it happens seven or eight times when you've been in control, um, like I said, they're absolutely brilliant to watch. They're a fantastic defensive side, but their edges, they need to fix their edge defense. I say that every week, but it's so poor. Yep. <laughs> I uh, can't argue. I can't argue, and that was my sort of my argument with Canberra. Like, I would have loved to have seen them in the eight, but Oh, yeah, they just, they've, they've blown their chance. Like, they've got no one to blame but themselves. No, nah, but edge defence... People are going to talk about the Brett Stewart try and whatever, but... That's one of uh, eight games, though. That's one of eight games. That's right. Yeah, so mm. I don't have a... I don't have an issue with it. I, I, they've just... But really, I, they've, they've gnawed themselves. But it's just, it's simply... Like, people say they make errors in attack. I don't think it's that. Their edge defence is horrible. Uh, and it, it's something I don't understand... Uh, how you can't address it. In particular, one bloke who I thought fixed his problems early on was Jared Croker. He had a couple of years there where he struggled a little bit. I think this year, him and Edric Lee, their side's been terrible. They don't make decisions. They usually don't come in. A lot of yeah, times they've been held. Think, I also think Canberra lack line speed in general. Your edges, your edges can't come up and make decisions if your middle's not getting off the line. Like, I think Canberra's defence as a whole, they've got to have a look at it. Ricky Stewart's got to revamp it and rethink... 
uh, the way they're playing in defence because it's easy to criticise the edge, but if they're having to defend with halves coming at them, which I think a lot of the time they, they are, it's very, very difficult to, to come up with the correct decisions over and over and over again. I, I think you're, you've hit the nail on the head there, but I, I just think it's their whole whole defensive pattern needs a revamp. Well, I think the middle's been pretty good, to be honest, and they're the ones I feel sorry for because they're also the ones who have done a fantastic job on the other side of the ball creating this space. Well, so. I, I disagree. I think their, their line speed in defence in general, particularly the middle, has been poor. Well, it's just, it's a glaring hole that's been there forever. I thought Croker kind of fixed it, but he's definitely got to work on it. Leilua was rocks and diamonds, as we've seen. He didn't play this week, but since he's been there, him and Rapana have been the same. One's jammed, one's held. They need to sort their edges out for next year because they're, they're a decent side. If you look at it on paper now, knowing what we do now, no, they should be in the top eight. There's no reason for them not to be in the top eight. So come next year, they're going to have to have people, a hard people pre-season. People might find this outrageous, but I, I, I probably think they're... They they could have been a top four side this year if they win most they of those been, games. They could have been they could have been the Penrith of last year. Chuck James Tedesco in the imagine if James Tedesco went there too, and you were able to move Jack White into an edge because he's fantastic defensively. I would have yeah, easily had them. Like even without him, we're talking hypotheticals. But based on the exposed form, the points they're on, like really they they should be at least on twenty eight points. They're on twenty points now. They've they've bombed eight games as you said. You give them half of those. Yeah, they're coming fourth points. or fifth, basically. Yeah, they're right in the mix. Right. Yeah, I, I, I think they're a top four side that's just... Uh, or a potential top four side, or at least uh, and they've got, uh, fifth or sixth. They've got the key ingredients now, though. They've got a full back. They've got a good nine. They've got a good pair of halves. And they've got an even better one coming at Aiden Caesar. Um, they've got probably two of the best young front rowers in the comp in Vaughan and Boyd. You've got Papali on one side. Barnett's been playing the last two weeks. I'm a big fan of his, but Soliola prior to injury was outstanding uh, probably the only thing they need is a couple more blokes for the bench but you've got Baptiste who can make an impact it's probably one or two uh, impact bench players away from having a ridiculously good side but they, if they fix their defensive unit as a whole they're going to be a real threat because even with their backs when they do have the football Croker has the ability to beat a tackle Leilu is powerful Rapana makes some serious yardage uh, metres and, and can break a tackle as well so They've got everything there, but in particular, the defensive side of things need to be fixed for next year because that's cost them in a lot of games. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. All right, well, any questions coming out of this round? No, I'm happy to answer the fans' questions in the fan forum. I don't really have any. Do you have any? No, I don't really have anything, bar the fighting the charges, but I think we've agreed that in particular for the Tafur one, I'd, I'd probably be fighting if I was him. But, uh, yeah, if I was Aiden Gare or some of these other ones and I've got previous charges, I wouldn't be looking to fight. I'd basically uh, take my medicine and realise what I'd done was stupid, same as Lachlan Burr's one. That was just dumb. Yeah, well, they're not going to win it. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a point at the moment where... Yeah, well, that's it. You're going to go to the judiciary and win a 50-50 shoulder charge. But your uh, test case... I thought Willie Mason could have been our test case, but he didn't fight it. But we've got Isaac Luke and George Defoe. I think they're the two test cases uh, this week. In particular, to full one, I'll be really interested to see what happens with him. But we'll go to the Twitter questions first. Ben Hathaway, um, he's looking forward to hearing our thoughts on the way the, the ruck's being refed here. And he said about the Melbourne game in particular, how did they get away with slowing the ruck on almost every play to that extent? It totally killed the game. That's how the game was interpreted. Yeah, that's so the rest. That's how both sides, both sides should have had the ability to adapt. 
Uh, Cronulla didn't. Melbourne obviously had a game plan to slow down um, the big Cronulla forwards. Cronulla are a middle team. Melbourne did that. Melbourne weren't penalised, whether rightly or wrongly. Obviously, the referees will probably have a review and go, Jesus, we did, did allow a lot of uh, one, two, three peels, which is fine. That, that happens at least a couple of games every week. Uh, I think we overreact um, when it's Melbourne, but every side does it. Uh, Cronulla, Cronulla just got sidetracked. They wanted to argue with the referee. They got frustrated with the fact Melbourne slowed him down. And they lost 30-2. Uh, plain and simply... Plain and simply, they should have just done exactly what Melbourne were doing to them. Yeah. They should have three million peeled and laid all over the ruck, and then maybe the referees would have done something about it. Yeah, well, but they definitely they didn't. didn't. They lost their cool and they lost the game. Yeah, and they lost it convincingly. 30 points to two. They were, like we said, didn't throw too much into the middle. They didn't fight back. They didn't try and slow down the Melbourne side of things. Melbourne rolled really, really well. Um, early shifts, they held off. Melbourne made yardage there. Will Chambers, like that's right, he set up. He had no right to put that grabber in or even make the meters he did on that side of the field, and then when the Sharks were defending, they did the complete opposite. They held on the edges, backtracked, and Melbourne just pulled them apart. Like, Melbourne were coming out of yardage, making 60, 70 metres every set without any issue. Yeah, but same as, same as what I just said about Canberra, if if you're slowing the ruck down and your middle's getting off the line, then your edge can make decisions. And that's what Melbourne were doing because they were slowing that ruck down. But Cronulla couldn't because Melbourne were playing so fast because they didn't adapt and lay on the ruck like Melbourne was. Mm. And end of the day, your first grade footballers, they did get sidetracked and that's why the result finished 30-2. to two. They should have got involved in it. Did exactly the same thing Melbourne were doing. The ref ref it that way. Um, and yeah, 30-2 to two says all you need. Uh, Benny yep. Storer, thoughts on Uncle Harry wanting to buy 100% of the West Tigers. Uh, this one can be addressed pretty quickly. Harry, I can't pronounce his last name. He's the bloke who owns Meriden Hotels. They call him Mr. Skyscraper or Mr. Tower. Um, it's all well and good that he wants to buy 100%, but the West side of things, they're very well off financially. They don't have any problems. It's the Balmain side of the venture that need the money and they're not allowed to be bailed out. And they have until March next year, is my understanding. And if that uh, is the case and they don't pay the loan back, which is something around the $2 million mark or just over, Wests can take full control again. So I doubt Wests are very interested in selling their half of the venture uh, to old mate Harry because they can take it all back and the whole time that's basically what they've wanted. The only thing is they can't change the name legally back to the Magpies but if they got full control I doubt they're going to want to sell it off to anybody else. I'm sure they'd be happy to take full control. And particularly uh, particularly when the NRL grant is about to go to the point where clubs aren't going to be able to go bust basically or if they do it's through their own bloody mismanagement. Yeah. But I, so I think I think the private ownership is a great thing, particularly if uh, it's guaranteed and it's sustainable. In the fact that, like Tinkler did, they can you can spend a lot of money, obviously off field and well, they definitely need that side of things fixed. Lead the way, but you know, uh, yeah. So I could see it as a positive in that regard. But yeah, for for a, a factioning club like West who have the Balmain and the West Side, as you just said, and explained, I would have thought exactly what you just said would be their motive. They, West want control. Want West yeah, want control. Uh, no. and it's Paul Kenny even yeah. touched on it the other way, the same deal, talking about the value of that side of things. They're not going to want to sell their part of it. Um, and if Balmain can't pay the money back, it's straightforward. As far as 2016, I think around March, the, the Balmain just won't have any say in what's going on. The name, the Tigers, has to remain. That That's all part of the deal. <coughs> Um, it was logged up, so it would remain the West Tigers. But the West faction, 
um, who do have the control of the money and a decent setup, they would basically be taking full control. Balmain would almost be just completely isolated from it. Yeah. So they're definitely not going to sell control of the club to some random billionaire. Um, and even again, in his intentions, how old he is, the money he's going to put in, um, it, it kind of depends what the setup would be. Is he just going to tip money in to who's at the club now and say, do what you got to do? Or is he want to have a, a slice of the pie? Does he want to put his own people in? Like, There's a lot of other questions you've got to ask before money comes into the equation. But um, if he, if he, I don't see why at the moment he can't just tip money in. I'm pretty sure he already does to a certain extent. That's I, right. That's right. Yeah. Obviously, if he had full control, I, I get you don't want to just throw money at something for the sake of it if you're not in control of it. But if he has absolutely zero idea about rugby league, and I'm pretty sure he's in his 70s right now, if he really wanted to, he could prob- probably give them a massive upgrade or build them some kind of stadium or a gym or a upgrade if he really wanted to without even having to take over you know, some kind of ownership or um, set something in that regard. But I think the short of it all is simple. is the west side of things. They're well off. Um, and if Balmain don't pay their debts, they're going to take control. Uh, just Dave, Davey Salter, shouldn't kickers stand deeper or have a forward run protection rather than cry about getting hit? Well, they shouldn't be allowed to be hit. I don't, I don't like it. Not when they're uh, in the air or, or got their plant leg. That's pretty straightforward. I just don't like it. I, I don't... I don't know. I think they should be... Like, I don't have a problem with them being grabbed or whatever, but pushed or hit while they're in the air. Or I just think there's a, there's a player... player welfare issue here, the players need to get together and sort this because the referees can't interpret it and they don't do a good job of it. Um, I see some that are penalised and I just go, well, I don't really, so, like I see a lot worse than that that don't get penalised. I just think the players have got to get to a point where they say, look, we've got to stop taking each other out um, when we're defenceless. Uh, I think the NFL have got a rule, uh, you're not allowed to contact the kicker at all. Yeah, well, he's um, got the plant leg in particular. If you, even if you flick him, you're in trouble. Yeah, I think that's something that we've got to think about as a game because it's going to... It'll be the, the night when Jonathan Thurston has his leg snapped like he could have on multiple occasions on Thursday night when the game will outrage. And again, we're, we're reactive to uh, these things. And um, in terms of whether the kicker should be deeper, like if you're deeper, you're then everyone's the offside. Yeah. So yeah. I think teams need to do a better job of setting up, in particular when you're looking for a long kick, more often than not, you want to be in the middle of the field to kick because it gives your hooker an option both sides, it gives you both halves an option both sides, which means, therefore, less pressure for the kicker, or it should do. Mm. Um, it's, when you, it's when you're like person or like a Pierce um, or someone who, like a Cronk, who is the predominant kicker or dominant kicker in the team that obviously you're going to get more pressure, but coaches need to do a better job of um, and not saying that, that a lot of them don't, but they do a better job of uh, working out ways in which to spread the spread the love around with the kicking and just tactically do a better job of protecting them. Uh, but I, I, I think the issue is is that they're just taken out. They, they, you shouldn't be able to take kickers out. Yeah, well, they hit, as soon as they're up their arms, they still smoke them. You see plenty of them. And yeah, it's similar to the argument of you know when the players pass the ball yeah, and they're getting getting taken off the so, ball. Yeah, I don't really see the difference between those two either. Like when someone gets hit late, or you hit a kicker with your wrap your arms or not. If he's kicked the ball and he's feet are back down, you shouldn't be able to hit him. Simple as that. It's just a free shot. Yeah. But, um, Jordan Palmer, would you like to see the same style of football that the Ipswich Jets play in first grade NRL? I think this one again is quite straightforward. It would take a, a club with a fair 
set of cojones to let them come in and uh, implement that system and also the way you'd spend your salary cap. I, I don't think you'd really need to spend your full salary cap to implement that. You'd have to buy a particular style of player. Would it work? Um, I don't know, and I suppose we never will know, but I, I really doubt that any club's ever going to be willing to take such a risk with uh, that kind of setup. Uh, I don't think I don't think the uh, the whole Walker philosophy like we we um, we play a similar sort of style in that we let our teams play um, and and we're pretty open and short kickoffs and whatever like let them play what's in front of them but I don't think you're going to see it as a in the extent it is in the Queensland Cup because obviously there's less less backlash if it goes wrong basically. Mm. Um, I think you'll see elements of it creep in, or I'd, I'd at least like to see elements of it creep in. Um, yeah, I, I think we will. I think we will, especially next year when there's the interchange rule comes in and hopefully there's a little bit more fatigue, which should mean that the players uh, should open up a little bit. Yeah, if someone like a Newcastle who's struggling a little bit was willing to take uh, a gamble on it, I'd say full power to him. But again, you need a, to hand over full control. We're not just talking the style. You need to implement that for the players and people like Dan Gagai, Uate, etc. They're probably more suited to it, but you'd also need to build a side around it. So someone like Tyron Roberts, who they've just let go, um, would fit in well with that. And then you need to recruit similar players again. You couldn't have somebody like a Cade Snowden playing a team if you're going to run that kind of system where you're going to have front rowers and wingers, everyone um, pass them multiple times and playing high pace and letting the ruck roll. And that's probably my other thing. Again, it's, it works at Q Cup level. That's all well and good, but... If you let the Roosters get up quick from their play the balls and let them get to their set quick, I don't know if you're going to get the ball back when you've got forwards like Ray Hargraves, Tokiaho, and etc. coming at you. They're probably more likely to take a real, real advantage of a quick play the ball like they give in the Queensland Cup. Uh, yeah. yeah. And just at yeah, that I, look, I, like, I, like, I like it. Oh, so I do I. I think the fans will like it. I just think you'll see... But again, you need to have the roster to do it. Uh, yeah. I think that style... You can't just drop it in every NRL team. Like, yeah. and people argue and said, oh, you know, well, every team plays the same way now. Well, yeah, they do, but it doesn't suit them all. No. It definitely doesn't suit all of them. And, no, well, that's uh, why... I, I think a lot of teams don't play to their strengths and a lot of teams want to copy other other sides and you don't need to, to do that. No, and that's why, like I said before, I like watching Canberra play and a lot of people do purely for that reason. They definitely need to fix their defence, but... They're unique in attack compared to most sides, and Manly the same deal. Manly now that they're kind of back to scratch, they're not a boring side, that's for sure. No, they're not. They're not. But, um, uh, that one particular. You need to find your own, own identity, build around the strengths of your team. Yeah, simple. That one particular and element. Effectively, you can't. You can't. Um, you can't defend a way that you know people look at South or whoever was the best defensive team last year, and then everyone just copies that style. Yeah, it doesn't work for you everybody. You can't do it. You've, you've got to you've, you've got to be able to adapt to the side you've got. Yeah, but that one particular element, I know it works at Q Cup. I don't think it works in the NRL. They talk about time of possession. I agree with the extra efforts from offloads or passing, multiple tackles, extra efforts within one play, which then adds fatigue later on. But as far as letting a team roll through their set, I'm sure that may work with some Q Cup sides. But if you said to the Roosters or the Bulldogs, that forward pack, um, we're going to let you roll through quickly on five tackles, I doubt you're going to stop the roll on with those kind of forwards coming at the NRL level. No. It would be uncontrollable uh, for a side like the Roosters or the Bulldogs or someone with a giant forward pack. Or if Tamal Scott, Tamalolo came at you three rucks in a row and you let them get up and play the ball quick, 
Thurston and these kind of players are going to take advantage of it. They're not going to let you get through the set and uh, be too worried about making the extra efforts in defense. I don't think you're going to get too many opportunities if uh, they've got quick play the balls and a roll and run. But there is definitely aspects that may work. But um, James Moody, which NRL players could make it in the NFL? Heard a little bit of this yesterday off the top of my head. If you had to highlight a, a particular few without going too much into depth, I think Roger Tuivasa-Shek is one obvious one. Probably with the, the speed and the footwork, you look at some of those smaller wide receivers that are used in little screen plays and scat packages and short yardage and then make yards after the catch, say Julian Edelman, uh, your little Denny Woodheads as well that play like running back and take short passes, I think he could fit in. Um, and, and punt returning special teams, things like that. James Roberts. James Roberts, someone just purely with speed. I, I don't know about a, a wide receiver position. Brock, he's probably a little bit too short for something like that, but maybe a cornerback or no, a safety. I think, I think all of them are too small. They have to put weight on. I, I think Inglis is the obvious one because... He couldn't be a wide receiver, he's though. Fast, he's tall, he can cut. Yeah, I think wide receiver, tight end, he could He'd be a tight end, I reckon. Definitely do it. I don't know of too many others, to be honest. I don't... But if this is a question related around the feasibility of players going to and from I, I just I think it, regardless of how good Jared Hayne goes I don't think you're going to see a massive increase in players going over I think Hayne's just a freak of an athlete mm. um, I think if Michael Jennings was a foot taller he could be a wide receiver because he's, he's got blistering speed but he's got take he, doesn't speed. Have the best, he doesn't have the best hands Michael um, nah well that's why I look at world. Um, probably Shex yeah I, I don't I don't really know I, like you can almost you can eliminate any player that plays in the forwards or in the halves, really. Like, yeah, it's more the backs. You could, say, you, could, you could see someone like George or Tom Burgess being maybe a defensive end, but that's their body shape, not their skill set. Nah, like, Hayne can transfer over there so easily because a lot of the things he's doing correlate with rugby league skills, yeah. whereas a lot of other positions, it doesn't really happen. Like, Inglis with a wide receiver, yes. Um, otherwise, I struggle to really really think of any. And again, his takeoff speed, though, is my issue. I think he's got good top-end speed, but the, the the acceleration of their wide receivers, he probably, to me, looks more like a tight end. He'd have to put some weight on. Um, well, if you combine, maybe, if you combine English and Jennings, you'd almost have a perfect wide receiver. Like I said, I know Sheck's probably only six foot, but he's one of the only ones I could see playing a scat-back kind of role. You look at your smaller ones, like your Reggie Bushes, your Danny Woodheads, but um, your Emin Dollars, but he'd purely be a special teams punt returner or like a little little scat package guy taken out of the backfield and yards after the carrier and inside slot receiver, but he's nowhere near big enough again. Well, he need he need he needs the ball in his hands. He can't he can't be a catch and tackle no. wide receiver. Like It'd have to be short drop offs, screen passes, punt yeah. returns, things like that, where he gets to make his own destiny. Uh, with the feet, he could definitely yeah. make some inroads. But if he was catching, yeah, that, that, if he was point. catching over the middle with safeties raining down like Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman, people like that. Who was six foot four, two hundred and forty pounds? He'd, he'd be feeling it. Yeah, I don't need as many. Nah, I'm there's, with there's you. Like, give me another. Give me another Jared Hayne. Like who? Who has a skill set that rivals Jared Haynes along with his physical um, presence? I, I don't really. I can't really think of one. Nah, and like you said, particularly forwards, you can basically outlaw all of them, and even. Even with the Burgesses, frame-wise, sure. But you look at the number one draft pick, it was a defensive end in Davian Clowney. His top speed is almost as quick as a running back or a wide receiver as far as takeoff. He runs his 40 
in in 4.5 seconds. I highly doubt the Burgesses move that quick. That'd probably be more like a 4.8. No, that's right. That's what I'm saying. That's not good enough to get to a quarterback. The build is fine, but they don't have the skill set. Nah, I think they're they're a completely different build over there. But yeah, Jared's 40 time matches that of a running back. He's got the footwork. He's got the evasiveness. He is a massive body in general. And he was a sprinter, which a lot of their decent uh, running backs, wide receivers, those kind of athletes were track athletes growing up. So he's one of the rare ones. People have mentioned Falau, but again, I look at him like Inglis. I don't think he's got the top end speed um, to be able to transition to a wide end, uh, a wide receiver. I think maybe tied in with the extra weight. But again, those guys are usually freaks of nature. Like you look at your Gronkowski's and these blokes, they're six foot four, six foot five, 125, 130 kilo blokes that can move, really move. The, bo- yeah. the body shape is just completely different, I think. Agree. Um, what's, uh, Jason Blake, what's your take on Brett Stewart's try coming from offside? Well, this one's not rocket science. Everybody's missed well, it. It's the beauty of hindsight because there is video. Uh, do I feel bad for Canberra? Yes, but that's the eighth game. Like I said, there's a ridiculous amount, but they've missed it. Canberra even missed it. He's offside. It's as simple as that. If you if you are in front of the play, the ball, you should be dead in that play, but uh, it's just been playing cold mist. It's ended their season, but like I said, there's been eight other games, so um, they've had a, a m- multitude. It surprised me that Brett Stewart still involved himself in the play knowing that he was offside. That's what surprised me. Well, he hasn't even thought about it, I think. Because he's... usually players, players are aware of that, and they go, okay, I know I'm off here, yeah. so I won't even bother. Well, no one's complained. It was just completely missed, so... Um, I'm no, 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 I agree. I'm yeah. saying that's the only real part to me that made me scratch my head. And again, I won't defend it because if it was a grand final or a semi, sure, we'd blow up and maybe they should have picked up on it. But the fact of the matter is no one did um, until the day after. So it's the beauty of hindsight and the technology we've got these days, unfortunately. But that's the rule. A lot of people said they didn't know it, but that's how it works. If you're in front of the play, the ball, you are dead for that player. I, I, I think you may be able to get back on side. Are you able to go back behind the play, the ball? To be active no. in that play? Well, that ball's played. You're dead. That ball's played, you're dead for that play. Yeah, well, there you go. So that's just the beauty of hindsight, I suppose, with the video. If it was a semi, yeah, we'd all be blowing up. But the multitude of chances they've had this year. Oh, you, you hear the referees. You hear the referees call it. Yeah. You know, 12's dead or whoever's dead or whoever, you know, like a touchy's call it. You, you can hear them, hear them do it. So the referees are on to it. It's just one they've missed. And yeah. life goes on. That's, that's going to happen. And as you said, it definitely didn't cost them the game or their season. They're... You know, okay, so we'll say that referee cost them one game. Well, they've cost themselves seven. Yeah, they've blown multiple chances to put themselves in the eight. Yeah. And, you know, it's disappointing, but, um, yeah, the fact it's happened so many times is probably more disappointing to the camera players. And like I said, even if you told them the day after, I'm sure that is disappointing in general, looking at how many results they've let go. Um, but, yeah, very, very disappointing for Canberra this year. The last question, Adam Bain, uh, one of our favourites over there from Seattle himself, an Aussie over there in America. Most dangerous team outside the top four. So for the time being, the top four is the Broncos, the Roosters, the Cowboys, and Souths still. So I suppose we're more looking uh, at the teams inside the eight and one that's lingering out. So I'd still have to say Manly. If Manly get in, I think they're a premiership threat. What, you think Manly are going, Manly beat the Storm? I think it, well, they've beaten us twice this year, even when they were going bad. So yeah. I think Manly's got the halves, the back line. I think it's the Storm. Hey, it's a Storm, no brainer. I think Storm uh, Munster's going sensational, and I'm still not going to die uh, on the Bulldogs. No, but they're inconsistent. And I don't trust them. No, nah, well, I didn't you know, trust I don't think them. They can win four in a row to win the comp. I didn't I trust them last year. But... Melbourne, Melbourne could win four in a row to win the comp, and as you said, Manly, if they get in, could win four in a row. Outside of that, the Sharks can't, the Dogs can't, the Dragons can't. No, nah. 
And then, well, we've already probably... The Warriors are realistically a chance, but they can't. They're gone. Raiders and Penrith are gone, so you're looking at... It's nine teams now. There's only one team that can get in. Dark Storm. I'd, I'd, only, I'd only even think about Storm and Manly. Sharks, Dogs, Dragons are just making up the numbers for me. Well, the only thing for me that's going for the Dragons is they got the easiest run home compared to Manly. Manly's got to yeah, play... Yeah, but we're talking about once they get there. Yeah, 100%, but I don't want them in there because they've proved already that they're not going to contend. I want Manly in. If we're going to have one of those final series that's got twists and turns, I, I want Manly. I agree. I think that's the best top eight. Yeah, 100%. Broncos, Roosters, Cowboys, Rabbitohs, Storm, Sharks, Dogs, Sea Eagles. Mm. I think the only team that really can consider themselves lucky is uh, unlucky is the Raiders. And they've and caused look, their own downfall. Penrith would have been there for sure, but they just had the season from hell in injury regard. But in terms of the season and the way the teams have played, We've got it right all apart from one, I think. I think you've nailed it. I think Manly probably deserved to be there. Yeah, and then in Hind... season from hell, but they've done what Penrith couldn't do and go on this streak that everyone was waiting for. But And in hindsight uh, again... Manly, if Street was about eight to go, eight weeks to go, Penrith just never got there. Yeah, if in hindsight again, though, if they missed out, I'd be filthy because at the start of the year, I thought they should have been top four and they probably would have been without all the issues, but... The clubs caused their own downfall, uh, you know, with not solving all their issues before the season started. They let them linger and drag through, which, um, you know, infected the way they played their football. And, yeah, they did have some injuries as well, a very big injury toll. But I think that those off-field issues just dragged on for way too long. So if they did miss out, it would basically be on them for poor management. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that, that, that's, that's to me. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I think the storm keeps showing every time you think they're done. But, yeah, I think the Bulldogs, again, they showed last year. If they get things right, then it's just a matter of them getting it right. But Manly, to me, if they get in, 1-7, uh, to seven, just a savage side. Matt Ballon's playing out of his skin. I think he's trying to prove a point. And that forward pack's doing what all good Manly forward packs have done in the past, which is play above their weight. Yeah, I'm disappointed that... Nah, the Titans didn't pick Matty Ballon up. I've got to be honest. Well, I think he's set up down here, though. So he, he's not willing to move, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, look, I'm... I don't know whether they might have made a play for him. I don't even think there was no, ever talk. I, know, but, I yeah, floated that idea straight away on the show, but I don't even think it got off the ground because he's got the business there. He's got his family. Um, the way he's looked at it, he's involved in the community too. So he's got 10, 11 years down here. There's too much for him to uproot himself. So there was murmurs that South were going to have a play at him. Um, whether that's still the case or not, I'm not sure. But again, he also wants to be a one-club player. So I don't know what's going to happen there, but something's going to come to a head sooner or later. Yeah. It's, uh, that basically wraps us up there for the Fast Five and our questions. We've gone a fair bit of time there, but I think some of the game reviews are pretty straightforward. We'll be able to punch these pretty quickly. Friday, oh, sorry, Thursday night. This is a bit awkward. The Cowboys went down to South 31-18. We've touched on this. Um, I think it was the first time in a long time South showed that intent, in particularly in their forward pack. They were much more physical. They dominated the middle of the field. They got over the top of that forward pack and... Um, they unlocked Isaac Luke, which I think is the key to them winning the game. Yep, easy stuff. Uh, Cowboys were dominated, um, so they've got to understand that they're going to have to be better come finals time. And yeah, as you said before, welcome back South, because that's that's the South we saw at the start of the year. That's yeah, and uh, everyone was angry. Come to expect from them. Even Luke Keery was that's angry. That's what you can continue to expect from. Yeah, well, that's what I'm going to expect. And in particular, like I said, the two Burgess brothers this year to me have been very disappointing. That was what I wanted to see. There was bodies flying, and they were genuinely pissed off. That you're like, as a former forward, that's the kind of style I want to see from my, my pack. They were 
chomping at the bit. They weren't just enjoying it. They were almost like in Jared kind of mode. There was pure, real... Yeah, I, I still... I still don't think they can win a comp. Oh, I'm the same. But there was pure, real anger and hate there. And that's what I want to see the next few weeks when they play the Bulldogs, when they play the Roosters. I want them to prove a point to me. Because, to be honest, again, I'm not going to get, uh, take that off one game. Um, and I know, like I said, I've been critical for a reason because I think they've got a decent side. But um, that Ford pack, I thought those two going out hurt them. It's shown all year. They've stepped it up a gear, but I want to see it the next few weeks now. But, um, yeah, Luke Keery obviously got himself in a bit of trouble. He's taken the early guilty plea, so he's going to miss a week. Isaac Luke could potentially miss the rest of the regular season depending on the outcome of his charge there. But, yeah, the Cowboys, they got dominated in the middle. Um, they got a late try there from Morgan in the second half, but it was it was just done. They were beaten physically. They were beaten down. JT wasn't happy. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Obviously about getting attacked there, but South need to build from this. The Cowboys, that's two in a row, and they've lost touch with their home final now. I think that's very important for them, but the Roosters seem to have almost uh, nestled into that spot now in the top two. So whether the Cowboys can wrestle a home final back, that's yet to be seen, but that'd be pretty disappointing, I'm sure, from their perspective, if they did lose that. Yeah. Uh, well, looking at things, they get an easier game this week, you could say. They're away to the Warriors, but the way the Warriors are playing right now, uh, you'd expect they'd be able to maybe get themselves picked back up and get back to form, and South, they play the Dogs. They've both got a hooking crisis again. Michael Leisha looking like he's out for the rest of the season. It's reminiscent of the grand final again. Um, and the Bulldogs. Well, the Cowboys. The Cowboys lose this game. That'll put them on tilt. Yeah. Well, this, that'll put them right on tilt. The only thing that's working in their favour is that the Broncos and the Roosters play each other. So one of those teams they're going to have a chance to draw a level with. But for and against wise, they I think they're well behind both those teams, in particular the Roosters. So um, they're going to need to win for the rest of the year, basically to contend for a top two spot. But question for you, and I've said this about the Dogs. Do you persist if Reynolds is available next week? I think he's not. Do you play him or in buy at nine, or do you put Cook in? Because I think you just go with the genuine nine, and I like Damien Cook. I'd put Cook in. Yeah, I just play play Cook. They're talking about putting so, Jackson yeah, well, and buy and rotating and all this kind of stuff. I, I don't well, like the all only, the... The only, per, the only player I'd even think about playing there is Reynolds. Hmm. And play Hodkinson uh, and buy in the hearts. If they do that, I don't have a problem with it, but otherwise you play the... Courses for courses. Yeah, um, you go cookie. Play cook, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm with you. I heard all this talk about jumbling and this and that and rotate during the game. There's too much filling around. Your halves need to be left alone. So um, if you're going to bring Reynolds in, I think the only thing you've got to do is defensively he can't play in the middle. You've got to push Jackson or someone in off the edge during that set uh, to take the burden of the workload. But, yeah, I, I think same deal. Horses for courses. Don't fiddle with it. Don't have two or three positions making up for one. Put Damien Cook in there, or if you're going to put Reynolds in there, put him there and then hide him in defence. So they've got the Bulldogs this yeah. week. They've both got the hooking crisis. That should be a cracker of a game, particularly on the forward pack. But the Broncos we spoke of, this game's really easy to sum up. 32-6 to six over the Dragons. DeBellin at seven, Hutchison on the bench. That was just stupid. Um, he got the extra body coming out of yardage, but defensively they left themselves with two back rolls on one edge. Milford made almost 200 metres and had an absolute field day. 
Um, the Broncos just slowly but surely picked him apart at will. But 16-0 at halftime with less ball um, and less inside 20s, that's probably the only issue you could look at the Broncos saying they concede easy metres. But, hey, they concede the metres, they defend their line. And they proved that in that Melbourne game where Melbourne had a ridiculous amount of inside 50s and 12 dropouts and they still won that game. So um, they can defend their line. There's no doubt about that. Oh, they can, yeah. The aspect of it for me is that how easily teams are getting down on their line. That, that's of some concern. They're, they're giving up they don't plenty have a, of yards. But they, they don't have a big forward they pack, They seem to be pretty confident. Yeah, I, I know that, but you've got to get off your line and, and stop sides. I don't think the Dragons' forward pack is overly scary. Uh, and they're going to play bigger, badder and faster, stronger sides in the finals. Um, you know, you look back, to even to round one, they they got blown off the park by South through the middle of the field. Um, but you're going to get a, you're going to get a measure on them because they've yeah, got the three very tough games running in. So, well, yeah, the Roosters this week. And then I think they've got Melbourne um, and South to finish off. I think. Hang on a second, let me check. I know they're playing um, Melbourne they got, last round. They got the Broncos. Um, sorry, they've got the Rabbitohs next week. So they go Roosters, Rabbitohs, Rabbitohs Storm. Storm. So. Yeah. Three decent forward packs. You know, you're going to get a measure on them, that's yeah. for sure. Well, I just think they're a smaller pack. They play more mobile. They've got good halves and a good nine. They play to their strengths. But, yeah, defensively, they do concede some yards, but they definitely don't shirt the task physically. Like, I'd be worried if they were soft defensively, but I think it's just a size thing. Like Parker, Gillette, uh, even like Thido playing there and Adam Blair, they don't have a giant forward pack, but they definitely make up for it with their football now. and in particular inside the 20 and off their line. They do a really good job defending their line. They do all the little things right. They get up off the line. They slow things down. They're good on the edges. So, um, yeah, conceding the meters is dangerous, but they definitely don't struggle to get themselves up the other end of the park and score. When they get opportunities, they take them. That's the other thing. Their halves, uh, particularly Milford's just growing in leaps and bounds. I can't believe how good he's going. And, and the Boyd thing, like I said, you'd see him emerge, and you saw it again the other night. He chimed in for two of those tries. so... Uh, they've got more and more contributors as far as points are concerned, and they're looking more dangerous in attack. Yes. Um, yeah, great. The Dragons... He, um, he Hasn't he come a long way? Like, I mean, I, I didn't mind the fact that they... I like the fact that Bennett stuck with him, and I know I said that early on. Um, either he's got to say he's a fullback and move him, yeah. or right. he's got to say he's a half and I'm sticking with it, not not go half-cocked, especially when Darius Boyd got injured. Yeah. And he's showing the bearing the fruit now because he's becoming more and more comfortable. Um, the only real concern for me is how he's going to hold up defensively when uh, sides are just going to bombard him in the finals. But that's a you know again you're going to see that over the next three weeks because mm. and I, I they'll, think they'll be the sides will be target, heavily targeting Milford and Ben Hunt. I think so teams already have tried. How Brisbane respond to that will be. Uh, telling in, in whether they're, they're a real contender this year. Yeah, well, I don't think either of them shirt the task. I've been pretty impressed by the pair of them. But no, they don't. They get a real test this week. They've got to play the Roosters, so the likes of Cordner and that will be bashing those edges. Guerra, maybe, if he beats his charge, but I highly doubt it. Um, but Jad, Rory, Hargraves, Tokiaho and the like, they're going to come there. They're a big physical side, so it's a good test for them. The Dragons, their Thursday night game against the Panthers. Um, if you want to go off the way the seasons are going, this is a game they probably should win going off troops and if they got Benji back. But uh, to be honest, I'm kind of rooting for the Panthers simply for the fact that I want Manly to still be in contention for that spot. And for that to happen, I need the Dragons to, to probably drop one of these last three games and they've got a pretty easy run home. Yeah. 
So I'm fingers crossed right. that the Panthers can get the job done. Well, Penrith will give them a good run for their money. Don't worry about that. Yeah, well, I'm, they're I'm, not going to they're not going to shirk a task. Penrith they haven't all year. They just haven't really had the firepower. But um, the Dragons, I don't think, are a side that's really going to scare Penrith. Put it that way, especially if Marshall doesn't play. It, it then allows makes it a lot easier again to defend. So uh, yeah, it'll be, that'll be a good game. Really good game. Yeah, well, I think he'll wake up to himself this week and put Hutchinson straight in if Benji's out. I think he's already seen that that experiment did not work. But uh, the Tigers, a team that looked like they were booting momentum, unfortunately, fell apart on the weekend. 24-18 to 18 out there at Campbelltown. Um, they started really fast, and they looked really good. They got to their edges really early. I thought Moses was very impressive. Chipped in with a couple of those tries. They scored on the left and the right. Um, but when it got to 16-6, they unfortunately lost some troops. Woods went down. Things slowed down a bit. Um, then they had a couple of niggles, which led to Hallertau ending up not coming back out for the second half. And then they lost Nagama. So for the last 30 minutes of the game, all of a sudden, they had one on the bench. And it showed because Buchanan, um, even, uh, you know, Sam Anafunai, who had a great game, and Kyle Lovett, they made 44, 40, and 37 tackles between them. And the possession in the second half was ridiculously one way. It finished up 60-40 for the game, but the second half basically felt like it was Newcastle camped on the Tigers' line for 30 minutes, not been able to score a point until they were just physically exhausted with a couple of minutes to go. Yeah. It was a good game. I quite enjoyed it. It went back and forth. It was open and plenty of points scored, but uh, it, it, did a, it stunk of a... Neither of us are playing, going to make the finals sort of game, didn't it? But it was entertaining. I like that about this time of the year. You get those games where two teams who aren't making the finals and they just let loose. Um, but the Tigers, they probably they looked dominant early, didn't they? They, they skipped ahead and you thought, well, we're going to win. But Yeah, when you lose your losing those players, though, that killed them the second well, half. Exactly. That yeah. just really took it out of it. And I tell you what. Uh, if you're a Tigers fan, I know that's a disappointing result, but I would have been super proud. They denied Tarek Sims twice, Corbin Sims once. They defended their line forever. Every time it looked like they were going to get the ball back, a video ref decision showed that one of them touched the ball in a contest or they were offside at the ruck or got penalised. It just kept going against them. and They held on and held on and held on. and It took to the absolute last minutes for Tyron Roberts to slide through and score a try, but they were very, very gallant considering the situation. Well, they were, De- definitely, definitely. They turned turn the corner, that's for sure. And they, regardless of all that, they still managed to score a, a fair amount of points. Yeah, you know, which is, well, early you know, on. If they would have lost those players um, during that middle part of the year where they were struggling offensively, they would have struggled to score a point. Yeah, it was good to see the ball moving again. He's definitely bought into their style. Um, you know, Moses looks so much better. I'm super impressed with him in particular the last six weeks since they've freed the reins up a bit and... Uh, Luke Brooks, it looks like he's favoured a little bit too now because that whole structure basically weighed on him. Um, this this way they're playing at the moment lets Farrah come back into the equation. It's brought Moses into the mix a little bit more, so I think Brooks has been uh, a little more free, but they can't catch a break, much like the Panthers and a couple other clubs as far as niggling injuries or little injuries. And, and it cost them in the end, but yeah, Newcastle, I'll give full credit to them. They fought back in tough circumstances. They got a win for Badiris. I saw some footage afterwards how much it meant to them, and um, he, he's done a pretty good job to keep the spirits up and a few of their old battlers led from the front, Jeremy Smith, Bo Scott etc, I think Tyron Roberts handled himself fantastically considering the rough year he's had and all the criticism that uh, has been handed his way, I don't think it's 
fair that it's all been heaped on him because plenty of them are not shirk, uh, are not doing their task. He's uh, not the only one you can blame. So, um, yeah, I was happy to see him score a double and, and play pretty well in that game. Well, yeah, they, they're playing with a tremendous spirit in Newcastle and they've got to be commended for the way that they've turned it around and uh, Pierce has done a great job. And it's a short-term fix, obviously. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think it was, it was a good move. It was a smart move. It gives them time to set their options and find the right coach. Well, interesting, uh, interesting uh, development during the week was talk that they will not settle for anyone less than a Maguire, a Bellamy, etc., but obviously all those guys are contracted for at least another year or two. Uh, there was talks that they may consider not bringing in a new coach, just getting a sitting coach like a Michael Hagen, who's there to come back on board for two years to warm the chair um, and trying to develop things until they can get their hands on one of these big-name coaches. So, well, no, no, they, they can't do that. They, nah. Warming the chair is going to make that problem in Newcastle worse because yeah. players will go, oh, Complacency. Well, don't the chair. I'm not really accountable to him. Exactly. It's, yeah, it's not not the right thing to, to do. Basically, you're saying to your fans that for the next two years we're conceding we can't win the comp. Mm. And like I said, it's going to take like a lot more. Like fans would love about it. Well, it was their CEO or someone, I think, uh, Paul Kent quoted, saying, if we don't win the comp for the next three years, I'm out of here. He said, well, you should quit right now because it's going to take well, more than ridiculous. three years. That's, but that's not to say that you shouldn't try and win a comp. Yeah, 100%. But they, they, I've said it before, whoever gets this gig next... They need time, and it needs to be the right person. They don't have time to mess around. Whoever gets this job needs the yeah, but time. no one gets time. Yeah, no well, one gets time. They need time. Look at that situation. That needs somebody who's going to be there for the long haul, much similar to the Penrith situation. That needs a complete overhaul, uh, that roster. But they've got Melbourne this week, yeah, hopefully. That, that was fixed. That was fixed within... Penrith was fixed within bloody hell, 12, 13 months. Yeah, but they so struggled done, on the field. It's quickly. It's just got to be done the right way. They struggled on the field for two years, though. done by someone who, you know, knows what they're doing. Yeah, but they Basically, struggled on... Understand, understand how to manage a salary cap and how to get value out of the salary yeah, cap. Yeah, but on field, like you said, results-wise, saying you want to win a comp, they struggled for two years and they got a little bit of a golden run last year, which was all well and good. But you're not you, to say you want to win in three years and, oh, we might just get a filling coach or this, that and the other... It's not going to be fixed overnight. They, whoever's coming in, they need to hand control to back them up and at least sit there for three years and let them go through the process because... You know, well, they won't. Yeah, well... They won't. They're going to stay in the same cycle that. then. So we're, not, we're not living in that, in that realm, unfortunately. I think mean, more to the point is they need to get the right person in there. That's yeah. more to the point. They get the right person in there and it'll happen quickly. You know, but... There can't be pressure for it to happen quickly. More like it, you've just got to make sure the right person's there and um, they're supported. And however long it takes, it takes. But um, coaches understand that when you're going in there, you, you, you don't have a lot of time because once those drums start beating, um, you know you don't have much time. Yeah, well, proofing whatever they need. Proofing what happened with, with McGuire. Yeah, well, whatever they do. Uh, you know, uh, with with Stone, sorry, not McCoy. Nah, he was dead from day one. He got the poison chalice. That was a terrible roster. So I'm not surprised he flopped. But they definitely didn't show any patience with him. Whoever comes in next needs time because it can't be fixed within one season. There's no doubt about that. But they've got Melbourne this week. Uh, hopefully Melbourne can back up their performance. They've been pretty inconsistent this year. And Newcastle seem to be a bit of a bogey side for Melbourne. They're giving some trouble. The Tigers they play the Sharks away. 
can they bounce back? That's yet to be seen, but I'm sure the Sharks will want to fire up after a disappointing performance there. Uh, the Penrith Warriors game, 24-10 to 10 there. Uh, you know, Penrith's first win after losing five in a row, and that's now five losses in a row for the Warriors. But I thought Penrith were enthusiastic. Um, I really liked the way Regan Campbell-Gillard, in particular Tyron Peachy, played. I like him at six. Just frees him up. Let's him roam. He made four line breaks. It was ridiculous how often he found space. But um, bar one little period there near the end of the first half where the Warriors got a couple of offloads, I thought they weren't really threatening at all. I thought it was all Penrith. Yeah, it's just the Warriors just rudderless, aren't they? They've just sold out on their season, basically. Penrith were improved, but um, they've obviously got a lot of troops out and they're manufacturing players and positions and whatever. And The Warriors should have challenged them more than what they did. And full credit to Penrith and Peachy, as you said, was outstanding. But and it was a good win for Penrith. Um, but, yeah, more of the Warriors were, were disappointing. Yeah, wow. well, even if, if Ryan Hoffman's frustrated, you know you've done something. I know he's used to the Melbourne way, but he's been pretty frustrated this year and again the other night. Um, I think you can see a real anger and disappointment there from the start of the year with high hopes uh, to see what it is there and caught in that cycle again of a side that should make the finals probably every year, but perennially has failed again. Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah, super disappointing for them. The second half was pretty ordinary. There was a couple of no tries. There was only one try given when Segaro put that kick through to Simmons, but I think it showed where both of them are, particularly roster-wise, but this time of year again, nothing really to play for. The Warriors technically did have something to play for, but um, their final such are pretty much all but over. But good to see Penrith get a win, particularly in front of their home fans, and they play the Dragons this week away. Can they spoil the party? I hope so, uh, for Manly's sake. And uh, the Warriors, they go home to play the Cowboys, I'd like to think that the Cowboys are going to re-energise and fire up here. Um, but what you get from the Warriors, God knows. But if you're going to look at what you've got the last few weeks, you wouldn't expect them to offer too much resistance if uh, the Cowboys come with the right attitude. But the Roosters and Parramatta are a lot tighter than what most people expected, but the Roosters got away with this one. 28-18. to 18. Manna got a fairly soft try early on. Um, Jennings and Maloney on that edge there, they replied... And uh, obviously later on, there was a very smooth move in the back line there that got semi over, and they denied Jennings a, a, an opportunity. Followed up by Corey Norman, who looks busted, who, who laid on a beautiful pass and backed up for Ma'u to be 18 4 at half time and have the Roosters a little bit reeling. But you get the feeling, much like that Cowboys game, they're one of these sides that you need to put 80 minutes in against. And uh, the second half was pretty much all the Roosters. They come storming back and took the took the game away at the last minute there when Jared Roy Hargraves put in that absolutely ridiculous run where he looked like a freight train and it was iced right at the end there when Friend pretty much got an easy try off a, off an error on a drop ball and on a kick chase. Yeah. Well, another one that got away from Parramatta, isn't it? Jeez. Well, the story of their season, what, what could have been for them as well? They seemed like a camber in the fact that they've bombed a lot of games this year. Man. Um, but... The Roosters too good, class above. Uh, they, again, the Roosters probably, well, they played, you know, I've been saying that they've been playing for 60 most weeks, but uh, this week they probably played for only 40, uh, and that's their issue at the moment. I think Robinson's acknowledged that and knows that. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see whether they can fix it. But um, the most important thing for them at the moment is they just keep winning and they'll, they'll give themselves a crack at this minor premiership. Yeah, well, potentially losing Guerra for two weeks hurts a little bit, and uh, obviously Mala's been out, but they've got some great forward depth with Liu, uh, Tokiaho, Evans, Napa, etc. So they can usually plug those gaps, and they do have a, a pretty tough game 
this week. It is against the Broncos. On the manly side of things, doesn't get any easier. It looks like Manners now hurt. Uh, Nathan Peets, I think I read earlier, has broke his neck. So um, that's just cruel. They've had so many injuries. They've already lost what amount of a truckload of other players for the rest of the year, and it looks like they've lost another two or three out of this game. So things just keep getting more and more cruel for Manly, and they played Manly, which is usually a cracker game when these two meet. Um, they got over Manly at the start of the year, so I'm sure Manly will be pretty angry and looking for a decent beat-up here, in particular for for and against reasons, because the Dragons last week took a bit of a hit, and Manly uh, didn't really take advantage of that early 16-0 lead this week. They should be really looking to take advantage and... Uh, hopefully build their for and against up just in case they can finish equal with the Dragons. Uh, they might be able to save themselves some grace this week for and against wise. Uh, Sunday, we've got the Raiders versus... Oh, sorry, the Raiders, they played Manly, speaking of them, um, and they went down 26-24, just another one of these results for them. Manly were flying, 16-0. Lyon was just absolutely killing that croaker and Lee Edge. Uh, Cherry Evans and Stewart, despite the fact they've got some issues with each other, their combination is just outstanding and it was all just flowing. Horro hit a nice hole for him, was playing straight, but uh, later on in the half there, they jagged a try. Hodgson threw a nice flat pass to Vaughney and they got that penalty goal on half time and they flipped around completely. Canberra took control, particularly with Boydie and Vaughan through the middle and 24 unanswered points. You thought it was all done and dusted when they got that try from Kennedy where Stewart played with the ball, but um, as Canberra do sometimes, or as they've done multiple times this season, they just fell asleep. Uh, Stewart took it away from, obviously, if that last try, even after you thought they'd blown it when Ballin made that error with a couple of minutes to go, but they, they found found a way to win again. Yeah, well, they're on a roll, aren't they? When, you, when you're winning, you're winning, and when you're losing, you're losing, and that's probably all to take out of this, and the fact that Manly are in that winning way in Canberra, well, it's been a story probably at least in their last month, hasn't it? Like when the whips have got cracking and they've needed to win games and uh, the finals were a realistic chance. They probably just dropped their bundle and lack composure at key moments. And Stewart's nailed that. He said that, you know, multiple times. But uh, as you said, just key moments at the back end of games. Canberra again gave themselves a chance to win. Manly very experienced in that regard. And um, they win incredible. It was a good game, but entertaining game. No, oh, it was a cracker of a game. I thought uh, at the start, I was really disappointed when it got to 16. I thought, here we go, they're going to lift off here. And uh, When Canberra made their run, I thought, here we go, this is tops. We're going to have a bit of a contest. And, man, they looked like they'd blown their chances, like I said, particularly when Balance spilt that ball. But um, one last opportunity, yeah, it was the offside try. We found out a day later, but uh, a cracker finish to a cracker game and two sides at play. A very decent brand of football. But the Raiders' season... Is done and dusted. Um, they play the Titans this week, another team, your mob, whose who season's over and fighting to get away from the spoon. Why Manly play the Parramatta Eels, who are just absolutely injury-riddled, and their season's over now. And Manly's got so much to play for. They'll be, like I said, looking to put a big score on, I'm sure, to help their for and against. But um, the Doggies, speaking of the Titans, that's who they played on Sunday, 36-14. That was 12-4 at halftime. I thought the, the Dogs are a bit sluggish particularly Alicia going off early. They were a bit lacking around the dummy half area. That's why I don't think they should persist with this kind of rotation between Mbai and Jackson. Just put a genuine nine there. But um, they really just did what they always do. They pushed passes. They were forcing things. They were a bit sideways. And in the second half, they came out. They played direct, went through the guts, uh, rolled through the middle, and they got the win. The, the only real highlight for the Titans, despite the fact they were so tough, was that James Roberts try 
Um, but yeah, one, he's a cracker try. Oh, he's just a freak. But once Caesar was injured and um, the dogs took the ascendancy, particularly in the middle of the field, that game was gone. Yeah. Well, I wasn't overly confident that the Titans would even compete, but um, we, we did we, we did have the wood actually on Canterbury over our last... I think we'd won our last three against Canterbury. Um, and most of those times we were heavy underdogs, but uh, there was a little bit more to, to this one than uh, just another game because the Bulldogs are under a bit of pressure to, to, to string some wins together. And uh, Well, now, yeah, the Titans are on the bottom of the ladder, so we're going to have to fight pretty hard over the next few weeks to avoid it. But um, it's, it's going to be tough, I think. It's going to be tough to avoid it now. especially when Aiden Caesar's gone for the rest of the year. Yeah. Well, um, if that's the case, then we're in big strife. If you're missing him and LG in particular, and you know, then you take away the bit pieces around them that were good early in the year, and Ryan James, who missed out on the weekend, and I know Nate Miles has missed a fair few games. If you're missing those guys, but more in particular Harbs, you'd think they'd really struggle to uh, avoid that wooden spoon. Yeah. Uh, on the dog side of things, like I said, it's hard to take too much out of this, but um, the Leisha thing, we spoke about that. I say put the nine in there, unless you're going to get Reynolds back healthy and defend him on the edge. But, uh, yeah, Clemmer was impressive. He, he made, had a pretty big game, Graham, etc. It's just simple for them. When they play to the middle and they play to their strengths, they look really good. They just really need to scrap this sideways crap because it really, really annoys me. Uh, Greg Eastwood, he had a good game. Brett Morris, again, Brett Morris has been very, very good when he's been healthy for the Bulldogs there at fullback. But the the round wrapped up, we spoke about it earlier, the Cronulla Sharks versus the Melbourne Storm, 30-2, to um, all one-way traffic. It was... Uh, a particularly old-school version of Melbourne. It was the, the professional Melbourne grind. The Sharks tried to do what they do to all those other teams to Melbourne, and it backfired. Yeah, well, we again, we spoke about this game earlier. They, uh, the Sharks got sidetracked. Melbourne had a clear game plan. They executed it. Uh, they slowed the Sharks um, down. Whenever the Sharks looked to move the ball, they Melbourne jammed in and busted on the edges, and Sharks' edge defence just had no answer for early ball to the Melbourne outside backs. Um, but then again, like for 60 minutes, it was 12-2 or whatever it was, and Sharks were well within the game, but they were seeing more internal argument with the referee and um, getting involved in the niggle and losing their composure. So that, that, in the end, that's what cost them the game. I, I thought it should have been... The scoreline definitely didn't reflect how close the game was for the majority, but um, Cronulla, you know, they, their attack was terrible and their edge defence was poor. I think that's as simple as that. And Melbourne just chipped away nice and slowly. Um, that early try pretty much summed up how poor their defence was. Jesse Bromwich just walked through and scored a try there. The edge defence held off and there was no room. Chambers somehow slid a kick through that was cleaned up by Duffy. But, uh, yeah, there was a few really, really poor tries there. The biggest highlight for me is Cameron Munster, 305 metres, a try assist, a try, six tackle busts. He's been absolutely outstanding. He hasn't missed a beat since he got his opportunity to play first grade. No, he hasn't. You're spot on. Um, but yeah, I guess we said as much um, as we probably could say about this this game earlier. I think it's, it was frustrating to watch, wasn't it? Like obviously you would have enjoyed it as a Melbourne fan, but I found it quite frustrating in the fact that I was just waiting for Cronulla to to focus on playing the game rather than arguing and getting sidetracked. But it just never eventuated. Yeah, well, when we get into a grind, it's not the most entertaining thing. But yeah, like you said, when your own team. Uh, puts a team in that state where they basically go away from playing football. I wasn't disappointed as a fan, but uh, yeah, the, the rules were there for both teams to play to. Um, the Sharks just seemed to 
worry more about whinging to the referees rather than getting involved in the contest. And at the end of the game, that's what chalked up the 30-2 performance. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, back to your question. Like Munster, he hasn't missed a, he hasn't missed a day. You're right. He's no. been outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. And that, that's the reason why I've never really wrote, written Melbourne off. Like, I actually can't because you can see the potential in that kid. Who knows where his ceiling is and who knows how much better he can get over the next month. Well, there's a few things that have been fixed in particular. I was very frustrated with that other wing as well, and I was waiting for Matt Duffy to come back. I knew he would have been giving him a lot of time just to get his body right after almost missing three years in the Q Cup. But since he's been back, uh, his first week was a little shaky, but he hasn't missed a beat either. He's chipped straight back in. He's scored a couple of doubles two weeks in a row now. Um, he's given us another aerial threat. And on the other side of the field, you've got a, a meter eater and an absolute psychopath in Marika Corabetti as well as an international forward pack. So my biggest issue is the centres. I think Will Chambers is good, but that man side of the field, we've, uh, we've experimented with a lot of guys there, I think, against some better teams. That, that's a bit of a hole. But if we can fix that edge up, there's no reason why they can't be a nuisance come finals to them. Um, a little bit off topic, but I'll just check my phone now. Obviously, I um, had it to my ear. Uh, Latrell Mitchell's been named, or he's going to be named on an extended bench. I've got a tip here. For this weekend, so Roosters fans, um, yeah, your potentially your future fullback is is going to get a run this weekend. The young kid from the NYC, um, we saw him play. He played against the Harold Matthews side. I was um, assistant coach with, and that was oh God, that was only two and a half years ago. He's had a rapid rise, and he was playing at the Central Coast Centurions, and he was clearly their best player. He was only fifteen. Now first grade, it's crazy. So. Uh, the text I've got here says it's an extended bench so whether he gets a game or not um, is anyone's guess but well, I've just, it's exciting imagine that a debut against the Broncos like, I've just, the just opened it up myself here he's got two of us a check Tupo, Jennings, Ferguson and Elliot in the back line so I'm pretty sure they took the early guilty oh, so plea the side, the side's been named? Yeah, but they've got him as number 19. But I think that Ferguson took the early guilty play for a trip, so he's good to play. So you think if anyone's going to miss, um, it would be Brendan Elliott, unless we don't know something about an injury. Mm. But, uh, yeah, he's on an extended bench there with Sue Matungi. Um, but, yeah, they've got Hastings, Isaac Liu, Kane Evans, Mitch Orbison. Um, they've named Aiden Guerra. He's uh, still there, so they're going to fight that charge and... Tokiaho's starting there at lock, but yeah, Matungi 18, Latrell Mitchell 19, so uh, unless someone's carrying an injury or he's thinking about maybe sitting out earlier, that's a pretty massive game to make your debut and there's no doubt about that. Alright, so we're, we're done. We're finito with our reviews. We've got another fan forum question from Adam Stevenson. Did you see that one? Uh, will you be watching the Challenge Cup final and who, do you, who are you supporting? Adam, I can't believe you must have listened to the chart. Well, you gave the lead, so... I love my rhinos. You go for the rhinos. I love Sir, I love Sir Kev. Golden boot winner. What yeah. Brock loves Sir Kev. Good on you. I'll, I'll, I'll have a look. I'll watch, the re- I'll watch the replay, but I think that one's pretty straightforward. Hull are fighting to stay back up in the Super League, so I'd be expecting Leeds to get the result, that's for sure. Yeah, but they, they rolled Warrington. Like the, I love the Challenge Cup. Yeah, but Warrington, I, don't, I don't watch a whole lot of the Super League, but Warrington are perennial chokers, really, aren't they? They've been in a couple of grand oh, finals and yeah, had opportunities. Yeah, they never seem to be able to get the job done. Leeds, realistically, Leeds should win by 30, but... Um, 
Well, hopefully they do. Hopefully they just hammer them. Well, simple answer to that one is it's rugby league. So, yes, we'll be watching it. There's no doubt, no doubt about it. Draw the Ranos. But uh, that wraps us up. That's the Fast Five, our questions, the fans' questions, the reviews of the games from the weekend. So Boxhead will be leaving us now. I'll be joined next by Mr. Gossip to give you all the dirt and our tips as well as the odds from WilliamHill.com. It's your call. If you're going to have a bet on the any sport, but in particular the NRL, make sure you do it with WilliamHill.com. It's time for your weekly dose of goss from Mr. Gossip. And he's back. After five losses in a row, the Penny Panthers got a win. And Melbourne, Melbourne let me down against the Tigers, but they put in a strong performance against the Sharks, which pissed off a lot of people because they're all really unhappy with the ruck. But as a Melbourne fan, I don't care. <laughs> Very good win Monday night, mate. And I can... I can sleep at night now. The Panthers have actually won a game in the last month or so, so happy days. Good times, no more cold sweats, but the Wunga Blake factor, he has re-emerged in an 18th man oh. jersey. Yeah, I saw the team announcement. He was on the bench. Still shaking my head, of course, but um, yeah, I don't know. It must be tear pressure, or cat pressure, or who knows, but uh, wow. Um, let's wait and see, I guess. Well, a big game, and uh, they, they played pretty well, so looking forward to this week. But before we get into our tips and our odds from William Hill, champion, what's in the gossip bag? What's going down? Yeah, we've got a few things here. Um, we'll start off with the North Queensland Cowboys. Now, look, expect them to announce the re-signing of Ben Hunnett. I'm not getting any younger Benny 30 now, so uh, it's a strange signing, if you ask me. Uh, I would have thought they would have spent money uh, on, on younger players, but um, look, they're going to re-sign him. Uh, he hasn't impressed me that much this year. He's been good in a few games off the bench, but um, I've got to say I'm a little bit surprised with the re-signing, to be honest. Yeah, I look at this one and I think they got value for money this year uh, purely because they would have picked him up for an absolute steal. So if it's a similar situation again where he's happy in Queensland and he doesn't want to move, and I'm sure that would be the case, and they're getting him for uh, a, a, you know a decent amount of money, I don't see it as a bad thing, especially for depth, because they had a gun kid in the 20s that your mob's getting, actually. Viliami Kakao, he scored almost 20 tries in the NYC. He's a 115-kilo monster, but the Penny Panthers stole him. So, um, yeah, they had a really, really good potential young front rower there uh, that they've missed out on. They've got a good back row, actually, this week in the Cowboys. Cohen Hess, who's making his debut from the 20s. But, yeah, I'm not too sure about the front row stocks, but that young bloke, Kakao, he's going to the Penny Panthers. So they've missed out on him. <laughs> yeah, very happy days, mate. He's, I'm telling you, he's, he's a pretty good talent. So, um, yeah, if they got it handed on minimum money, I, I can't really blame him, to be honest. Yeah, no, fair enough. That's the only way you'd get him on the football, I would say. All right, mate. Over to the ditch. Glenn Fishahahi has signed with the rugby union side, the Chiefs. Um, no great surprise. He's had a terrible uh, run of injury, Glenn. I think he's only played six games in the last two years. So, not a surprise that he's leaving, but we lose another one to rugby, mate. Yeah, well, I think I saw this potentially out of 120-something games over five years. He's only got to play like 21. Um, had some injuries, issues, but uh, it's still disappointing at the end of the day when you see someone leave. You'd like to see him get an opportunity somewhere, but is it just me or is there a massive exodus this year in particular? Uh, going to the Super League and elsewhere, there's a huge exodus happening. Yeah, the Codes are looking for talent. Yeah, I just especially the Super League uh, the last few weeks, I've been blown away. Like no one's 
moving clubs are looking for an opportunity. They're just signing out and going over there. So that's a little disappointing. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Yeah, it's a trend that we seem to have bucked for a couple of years, but it's come back. I don't know if it's the marquee thing or uh, if, if the belt's been loosened a little bit more over there. But, yeah, there's certainly a lot more Aussies making the exodus instead of fighting for a spot over in the NRL. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, we lose one to rugby, but we do gain one. Manly have signed Tom Wright. Apparently he's a hot, young union prospect. I won't lie to you. I do not watch rugby, and I haven't seen him lace a boot. Uh, apparently uh, they're... Hoping he will slot into 5A, obviously, to replace Foreign. But um, have you seen this kid, mate? Do you know anything about him? Mate, I've seen just the, the floating footage, much like I saw of the, the young union player that the Cowboys now have, Callum Pongia, who has scored a ridiculous amount of tries in five games. I think he's already got 17, uh, seven, and he's only 17 years old. Um, I watched a little bit of footage of this kid. He looks pretty good, but everything in the video, he looks more like a, a fullback or a centre. He's basically just stepping everybody and carving them up. I don't think I've seen him throw a single pass, so... Um, I didn't see how old he was. You know how old he is? Is he 18 or something like that? Or? I, yeah, I read somewhere today that he was 17, but um, yeah, 17, 18, let's say. Yeah, well, I know they're going to do a, an NRL pre-season. I, I, physically in the video, again, it's hard to get a gauge because he looks so yeah. big compared to everybody else. But um, he'd at least have to be a, a, probably a year or two away, I think, for them right now. Um, but yeah, if, if he's a good pickup, we've seen Callum. Oh, I've seen Callum Ponger up there now. He was a great steal um, away from rugby union, and he's already made an impact. So if this kid's anything like him, uh, hurrah for us! I'm, I'm glad we're starting to chop their grass because they've certainly tried to do it to us. Yeah, absolutely, it's, it's nice that the tides change there. All right, mate. On to Big Willie Mason, and we've had quite a few emails the past couple of weeks. Willie yeah, definitely hasn't lost his popularity. Um, I know end of last year Knights fans were absolutely heartbroken that he left and um, yeah where does he go from here my money is that the Sharks are, are quite keen on having him which is no surprise they seem to want a, a player that's at the back end of their careers but um, look still playing good footy Willie um, you probably fit in well with the Sharks with the, the boys club there but um, I'd, I'd love, love to see him around for another year or two in the NRL yeah, well, I was very surprised. I think I said this to you and Brock. Uh, given their salary cap situation, mainly and stretching things a bit, he would take minimum wage easily. Like a top twenty-five spot on him is not wasted, particularly the way he's played this year, and he's healthy too. Um, you know, he's been healthy and he's still a massive unit, and he's pretty mobile. So um, for the Sharks, like if Chris Heinington's going to leave as is expected, and they lose someone there, like he's an easy pickup, really. Like he's been to every other bloody club, but. Um, yeah, if, if they're getting someone like that on the minimum wage, I can't understand why you wouldn't want someone in your your top squad who, who's still playing pretty decent football. Yeah, it'd be interesting that if he goes to the Sharks, that's, that's, uh, that's like six or seven clubs in the span of seven years or something. But uh, he's been here, there and everywhere, old Willie, but definitely deserves at least another year in, in uh, the NRL, that's for sure. Yeah, and it shows, uh, you know, like I said, that people are still interested because it was Aaron Woods a couple of weeks ago saying that we need another front row. I signed Willie Mason as well, so... Um, he's, yeah, exactly. he's still got some fans out there, like you said. I think people have realised this year he's played pretty decent. Yeah, top fella too, Willie. Um, all right, mate, last one for the night. Timmy Sheens, uh, most of you already know that he's over in the UK at the moment. He's, he's looking for talent to go to Salford. Um, I did hear earlier in the week that he was uh, in talks with the Fafita brothers, but, um, yeah, I, I expect an announcement soon from Tim Sheens. Apparently he's going to sign quite a few players, so... As you touched on just before um, about a lot of players going to UK Super League, that's not going to stop, mate. I'm, I'm hearing that he's uh, got the checkbook out and there's more to go. 
This one I'm still confused about just the whole Kukash situation because apparently he hadn't paid the rent for the stadium. He hadn't paid the jersey sponsor or the people that supplied that. Politou was suing him, haven't had another word since then. Theo Fage is the young French guy at the club wants out. There's a couple of blokes who have got issues with him. So um, I know Tim Sheen's obviously working on him. Obviously, he's getting his paychecks because he hasn't left yet. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they're talking about throwing all this money around, and then there's all these supposed outstanding debts and unpaid wages to other people. So, uh, yeah, apparently he's a billionaire, and I, he must, like I said, I'm sure Sheen's wouldn't be there if he wasn't getting his paychecks. I don't know if he just uh, did a bit of a dodgy on a couple other bits and pieces, but yeah, it's a bit of a strange way to do your business. I was a bit worried for a while that it might have been smoke and mirrors and another tinkler situation going down, but. Um, if the money's there and they're going to throw it around, I'm sure there's some blokes over here again that'll take that instead of struggling to make a top 25 over here. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, like I said, look for some announcements to be made in the next couple of weeks. Oh, well, we'll keep our eyes peeled for that one, champion. On to the tips and the odds brought to us by WilliamHill.com. Last week you got five, I got four, so you've got one back. Uh, the game of difference, you went the Panthers, I backed the Warriors. I have absolutely no idea why I did that. Ah, <laughs> oh, mate, I've just I've put my faith in them one too many times, and they always let me down. But you're now on 99. I'm on 101, so you've dragged it back in to a two point gap. But we kick things off Thursday night. It is the Dragons versus the Penny Panthers, mate. Your mob. Do you think that they can upset the Dragons and potentially put one nail in the coffin? quite excited looking at their lineup, um, seeing that he's basically just rolled the dice now. He's got Yo and Brown in the centres, which, you know, can affect you somewhat defensively, but now that he's got Cartwright, Taylor, Peachy, all these guys starting, I was like, finally, um, he's got Peachy out there and Cartwright. I felt they wasted some time with those injuries, not getting those guys some starting footy. I really wanted to tip the pennies, but now that Benji's back and that there's finals on the line, I will go the Dragons, but I have a feeling of an upset. I, I, I just Something tingling that tells me that the Panthers might get the job done here. But, uh, yeah, well, the Panthers, they play all their attack off second phase play, but the Dragons are such a good defensive side, but if they're have, if they if they're not switched on the Dragons and they do get the, the, the second phase away, then the Panthers will damage them. Yeah, well, we're going to see how their confidence is after copping a bit of a battering from the Broncos, but the bookies at William Hill agree the Dragons are the favourites. $1.54. dollar fifty-four. Uh, $2.50 about the Panthers there and a line of minus five and a half. Uh, I'll probably like the one to twelves in this one. I can't see the team blowing it away. The Dragons $3.10. The Panthers $4.10. A bit of value there for the multi. If you like the pennies with a twelve and a half start, you get a dollar forty-one. But the Friday night grand final rematch, the blockbuster in the same situation again with no hookers available. It's the Bunnies versus the Doggies. Uh, looking at this one, I was impressed by South last week, but it's taken a lot of the year for them to really, really make an impression on me. Uh, they've made a, a couple of slight changes to their lineup, but I'm going to have to go with the Bulldogs, even though they're just so hot and cold and I, I haven't really, really been impressed yet. I think they'll fire up for this one. I really want to see a big performance from them. But, uh, yeah, this one was a flip of the coin for me, but I'm going to go the Bulldogs. Yeah, form-wise, they're both very similar, aren't they, the Bulldogs and the Rabbitohs? And, and we discussed before we 
I'm going to go to the Bunnies uh, with no great confidence uh, hearing today that, that Sutton might be out also. But, um, yeah, look, it's going to be a beauty. <laughs> Obviously, extra security, hopefully, this time. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to the Bunnies, mate. Let's see how we go. Yeah, I don't mind Paul Carter at nine, not creatively, but just for the effort. And, yeah, I saw Sutton named at six, but also thought that he was out as well. So uh, I'm not too sure what's going to happen there, but they've got an extended bench. But uh, the Bunnies, they're outsiders with WilliamHill.com. They're $2.03, uh, and the Doggies are a eighty favourites. The line there is minus one and a half. Again, I think this is a 1-12 to game. So if you like the Dogs, $3.51 to 12. If you like South, $3.65. As far as getting them there in the one to twelve market, but Saturday kicks off. It's the Sharkies back home at Ramondas against the Tigers. Uh, I'll be pretty blunt with this one. They're back at Ramondas. They were awful against Melbourne, and they should be absolutely seething against the Tigers side. It had some injuries last week. I'm pretty sure most of those blokes were named again this week. But I'm expecting the Sharks to want to get really down and dirty this week. So I'm going to stick with them. Yeah, short turnaround for the Sharks, but yeah, uh, they'll be hurting up that loss on Monday night to the Storm. Uh, but I tell you what, there's a team that can, that can provide an upset to the old tickets. But, um, so expect a close one. I don't think it's going to be a, a, a 12-plus game, but um, you've got to go to the Sharks. Uh, and if they don't win it, then, yeah, um, obviously massive issues for them going into the finals. And, and no Benny Barber as well. Yeah, well, I'm kind of happy about that, to be honest, because every week I'm just thinking, who carries a fullback? Uh, slash half utility on the bench and just an absolute waste of time. Like you've, you've either got to play him or you don't. So, um, you know, getting Tagatizi back and having an extra forward there, I'm much happier with that situation for them. The Tigers, last week, they finished up with 15 players. A lot of the guys are backing up. I don't know how they're doing health-wise. Tapio's back, but on the Sharkies. And William Hill agrees. They've got the Sharks, thirty-seven favourites. The Tigers, $3.15. Outsiders, the line there is minus 8.5. Uh, a bit of multi-value. If you do like the Tigers to go there and hold in, you get a 12.5 start at $1.60. But we head across the Dutch for the Warriors against the Cowboys. Uh, I can sum this one up pretty quickly. The Cowboys have lost two in a row. They're losing touch with a home final. The Roosters and the Broncos play uh, this week, which is quite convenient for them because this is their chance to hopefully hold on to one of those spots. There's no Gavin Cooper. Uh, they've got Cohen Hess, the young under-20s back row. On debut, he's a pretty decent player though, and the Warriors are a shot duck. So I'm going to I'm going to go the Cowboys to bounce back. Yeah, I think the Cowboys should win by plenty. The Warriors showed nothing against the Panthers on um, the weekend, and I don't think Panthers played all that well to be honest. But um, yeah, the Cowboys will lap them. Yeah, man, I'm with you there. They basically look, they've quit on their season, and William Hill agrees. They've got the Cowboys a dollar twenty-two favorites. The Warriors four dollars thirty-five minus twelve is the line. If you do like the 13-plus for the Cowboys, it is fairly short. It is a dollar ninety-five. you think the Warriors can offer some resistance, 12.5 start gets you a dollar eighty-three. But this Super Saturday finishes off with an absolute cracker of a game. It's the Roosters versus the Broncos. I think this is the real test that I've wanted to see for the Broncos, particularly seeing they concede so many metres. Um, they do a good job defending their line, but I think the Roosters have got the pack that might be able to trouble them. So in this situation... I'm going to back the Roosters. Gare is fighting his charge, so he may be missing. But, uh, yeah, I think this one, there's too much on the line. The Roosters, for me, this is the game where they have to really stand up and put a stamp on things. Yeah, for sure. This is um, a huge game. But, uh, yeah, the Roosters, they were scrappy against Parramatta for about 65 minutes uh, last weekend. I'm sure they would have copped a hiding for it this week. So um, I'm expecting a much better performance from them this week. But actually looking really forward to this game. Um, but I'm going to take the Roosters. 
Yeah, I've, they have to step step things up. It seems like they can just basically win however they feel. They they played for one half on the weekend, got the job done in those previous games. We've seen them basically play for 50, 60 minutes and uh, kind of cruise home. But I'm really looking for an 80-minute performance and uh, in this we, we one. Did, you go, mate. I, I, think we did, I think we did say last week that the Roosters, they, they struggle sometimes to play against the lower-ranked team. They almost lost the Titans a few weeks ago. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, when they were getting pumped by Parramatta, I thought, here we go. But, um, yeah, but it's against Brisbane. They, they don't rise to the big occasions, Roosters. Yeah, and in particular, I think I can flash back the form that Jared Roy Hargraves is in, what Friday did to him last time. I'm expecting him to go looking for blood uh, in this game. So they're fifty six favourites, the Roosters, the Broncos, $2.45. Minus 4.5 is the line. I've got a feeling of a close one again. So the 1-12 markets, $3.15 for the Roosters, $4.05 for the Broncos. That should be a good game. And again, multi-value if you like the Broncos. 12 and a half start, $1.40 there. So not too bad for a bit of uh, salad there to top of your dressing. But Sunday, we've got the Titans up against the Raiders. Both seasons basically done now. But the Gold Coast Titans, they're missing both their halves again. So in that situation, I think it's quite easy. I'm going to back the Raiders. Yeah, yeah the, the Titans are just don't win without season. I don't know what the hell they're going to do next year. But um, yeah, the Raiders... Um, I think their season's gone, but um, I think they finished off strong, and I think they'll pump the Titans. Yeah, well, William Hill's got them as the favourites away from home. They're a dollar fifty-two. The Raiders, the, the Gold Coast Titans, are two dollars fifty-five. Minus five and a half is the line here in this one. Uh, I'd like to think that Canberra could put a score on. So the thirteen plus there is two dollars eighty for the Raiders to get a big win there. The other Sunday game, it's the hapless Parramatta Eels. Just can't catch a break. Timmy Manor went off injured on the weekend. Nathan Peets, ACL, shoulder rico, now a broken neck. Well, it's just re- absolutely ridiculous, the run of luck that he's had. So this is simple. I think this is the game where the Eagles can try and get their four and against boosted up because uh, who knows, it might come down to that between them and the Dragons and at the moment. They're a little bit behind, but Brisbane did them a favour last week, so I'd be looking for them to put an absolute bloodbath thing on the Parramatta Eels this week. I'll tell you what, the Eels have a good record at Parramatta Stadium against Manly, but I think without Timmy Manor and Pete, it's, it's going to be hard. But um, it's a shame they're not playing. I think I might have actually gone. The Eels are not playing all that badly, as we saw last week against the Chooks, but yeah, I think Manly will get them just because of the injuries. But, um, yeah, geez, they've got a good record against the Parramatta yeah, well, they got him at the start of the year. So, again, this is another one of these games. I know it's a long time ago now, but uh, Manly are flying, and this is a real big opportunity against a weakened side to get some for and against points build up. And they are massive favourites. They're $1.09 with WilliamHill.com. Parramatta, $7.70, minus 20, an absolutely huge line. Uh, you can get a 12.5 start for Parramatta if you think they can hold in there for $2.80. 13-plus for Manly is only $1.40, so... Uh, you're probably better off there if you're going to have a bet on that one. Looking at Manly to get a, a, a try-win combination, somebody to score a try in Manly to win. But the round wraps up. It's Melbourne two weeks in a row, playing on a Monday night. They play Newcastle, who showed some spirit last week. But regardless of that fact, I'm expecting Melbourne uh, to try and come home very strongly. That was a big win on Monday. I expect them to try and capitalise on this one, particularly, again, being at home against a, a Newcastle side that... Uh, I'm sure we'll be dangerous and enthusiastic, but this is a game they should win. So, Melbourne for me. Yeah, I think Melbourne will win this one, but um, it just didn't our boyfriend try and rub us play good on the weekend. Mate, I, I said uh, <laughs> a lot of people during the year, they all laid the boot in. I don't know how they could pick him out as the only player of concern. Yeah. 
There's a lot of blokes that didn't pull their weight. Um, I don't know how much the Titans paid. They said something at four hundred thousand. Surely that can't be true. Um, you know, that's saying something ridiculous like that. Uh, I don't know if they would have paid that much for him, but um, if they've picked him up, I don't think that's such a bad thing to have Taylor, LG, and him. That's not a bad trio going forward. Obviously, LG showed some flashes. Taylor's you're ready to play first grade straight away. I'm not too sure, but Tyron Roberts into the mix as well. I, I think the Titans. That's that's a that's a decent player. That's better than Daniel Mortimer. Yeah, and there was some good footage uh, on the Matty John show last night in the dressing sheds after the players going up to beds, and you can see how much Newcastle means to him. He was absolutely psyched up about that win, and uh, again, massively short here. The Melbourne Storm, a dollar oh nine favourites. Newcastle, seven sixty. The line is minus nineteen and a half down there at Amy Park. And again, if you think that Newcastle can hang in there, you get some multi-value with the twelve and a half start at two dollars sixty-five, but. Uh, I'm, I'm looking for Melbourne again to show that real ruthless streak, get into a grind and build towards finals football because they've got a hard run home with the Broncos and the Cowboys the last two games of the regular season. But that wraps us up as far as the tips and the odds go. Remember, for any odds, any betting on the NRL or any sport, do it with WilliamHill.com. William Hill, it's your call. Go into the website, get the app on your phone and uh, bet anytime with WilliamHill.com. Gossip, fingers crossed, champion. The Panthers uh, can get the bacon two weeks in a row there against uh, the Dragons. They've had the wood on them more recently, so fingers crossed. Yeah, it'd be nice. It'd also shake any, any chances of a wooden spoon, but I think Titans or Parramatta will get that. But um, it'd be uh, comforting if they won it. Let's, let's put it that way. Well, at the start of the year, I had a bet on the Titans, which pissed off Brock a lot, but I'm still holding <laughs> hope that they get the spoon because they were paying about $8 when I got on, so I'm riding it home. I'll run it home with you, son. I'm a top brother, aren't I? That's that's the kind of yeah. bloke I am. <laughs> I love it. If things couldn't get any worse, I'm laying the boot in. But uh, thanks a lot, champion. Enjoy your weekend and uh, catch up with you next week. Fantastic. Thanks, buddy. A big thanks to Mr. Gossip. And if you want to catch up with him on his page, NRL Gossip, in the search bar on Facebook. And there's also links to his page on ours on Facebook there. And his Twitter handle is at NRL Gossip. And for all those uh, odds there provided by WilliamHill.com, we have to thank them. They give us our free bets that you can win every week. We have four pick-to-score competitions for your chance to win a $100 free bet, so keep your eyes peeled for them. And they obviously give us our charity bets, which this year our charity of choice is the Guide Dog Association. So uh, we're close to the $2,000 mark raised thanks to WilliamHill.com. If you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure it's with William Hill. Get the app. Go onto the website. It's your call. But if you want a bit of help on the punt, our other fantastic sponsor are the NRL Profits. If you're tired of constantly losing money to the bookies, it's time you join the Profits. Over 70 units of profit in season 2014. The service includes quality betting recommendations for rugby league, including the NRL and the Super League. You get the best of both worlds there. So the Profits has a special offer to all the listeners of the fifth and last. It's a 10% discount off all the Access All Profits packages. So visit nrlprofits.com forward slash fifth and last to take advantage and profit with the profits. But that wraps us up for another week. You've got your fast five, the questions, our fan questions, anyone who 
uh, wrote down later and we don't do your questions on the show, I apologise, but we will reply on the page. Uh, it's just obviously due to time constraints that if you have posted after recording, we've missed you, but we will get to you. Uh, match reviews done there. Odds from willandhill.com, Mr. Gossip, all the dirt. We are on the run home. Things have narrowed down. We're basically down to nine teams. Who's going to slip in to that final spot? We've got the Dragons tussling there with Manly, the Bulldogs, Melbourne, the Sharkies. The top four, how's that going to configure? And who's going to get a home final? The Roosters are throwing themselves right back in the mix there. The Cowboys need to get a win this week, and we get to see the Broncos and the Roosters clash. So some heavyweights this week as well as the grand final rematch between the Dogs and South. So a hell of a week to look forward to. Enjoy your week and enjoy rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 